coming up this week off screen. Donald Gleason says goodbye to Christopher Robin. Reese Witherspoon goes home again. Lily James is an exception. Guy Pierce is made of brimstone. We take a stroll through a killing ground. Spend some time with Daphne. Learn a little about zoology. And figure out our place in the pecking order. All those to come and more off screen. This is This is off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I'm Kelly Needham. So, thanks for stepping in for John, who in turn is stepping in for Case. Uh, there's a lot of stepping in. Lately. There's a whole stepping in process. It's like a step up. Is it, we're like a new step up movie. That's what it is. Step up 27. <laughs> this time it's personal. No, that made me feel a lot better, because otherwise I feel like I'm like sloppy thirds. No, no, no one's ever calling you that, Kel. So, <laughs> um, so okay, before we get to uh, film reviews, we're going to start with Reese Witherspoon, and it's all going to go downhill from there. Um, nice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So Reese Witherspoon's not behind me. I was going to say, that's a bad time. But uh, before we start with the film reviews and the news, the box office top five, and all the usual fun, and tons, tons of competitions. Like literally, we we don't even do films anymore, we just do competitions. That's it. I like that. We're competitions with a side of films. I think that's what the people want. That's it, we're giving the people what they want, (laughs) which are uh, ludicrously overpriced special edition Blu rays. Anyway, um, give me some film news to start us off. Give us a piece of, of what's been going on in the filmosphere. Well, do you know what? I'm going to ask you about this because okay. I know you're the Star Wars guy. You're at least my Star Wars guy. So what's going on with J.J. Abrams here? Paramount apparently pretty unhappy with him. Okay, right, there's a reason for that. So it turns out that Paramount aren't very good at films. Okay. Right, I don't know if you noticed that. Paramount are not brilliant at films for the last few years. Give me an example. So, uh, Baywatch. Kind of I tanked. Liked, like I that. loved it. I saw it with you, if yeah. you remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, Baywatch didn't make an awful lot of money, so that kind of let them down. And you know, Transformers is kind of the only thing that's making them any money at the moment. Ooh, that's bad yeah, times. and that's only really because presumably they sell it in China, and the people doing the dub actually create their own plot that makes more sense. Um, but yeah, every film they put out seems to be bad, mm. and. The closest they've had to something of remarkable quality lately is Mother, which they had to actually go to bat for and defend. So making money is not something they're doing very well at. You'd think they'd be used to it then by now. You would. However, they did have J.J. Abrams under contract, and they've had him for many, many years. You know, he gave them he gave them two Star Trek movies. He mm-hmm. gave them Cloverfield. Ah, of course. No, he didn't give them Cloverfield. Sorry, he produced Cloverfield. I was going to um, say, yeah. So it's two Star Wars, uh, one Mission Impossible, then he produced two more for them. He produced a third Star Trek. He's as big a producer for them as he is a director. And basically, mm-hmm. he's made them something like $12 billion in the last decade. I'd be pretty happy with that personally. I, I would as well. However, they were a bit unhappy when he, uh, you know, he trotted off to do uh, Star Wars a few years ago. He trotted off to do uh, The Force Awakens. Well, they were like, oh, that independent film, uh, but, like, you don't need to do that. Yeah, but they let him off because, you know, they kind of <laughs> got that it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The only thing is, it's now a twice-in-a-lifetime thing. Who would have thought? I know, because he's doing episode nine now. Another Star Wars? So it turns out Disney billed Paramount $10 million. Ooh. <laughs> Mind you, that's sorry, Paramount Bill Disney, sorry, ten million yeah. for taking their director away when he had a film on the books 
with them that they know would have earned them a billion. Surely Disney's like, I laugh at ten million. Well, yeah, Disney's like, we're making it for the Star Wars, man. Come on. We're, we're bathing in money over here. Yeah. <laughs> we're bathing in galactic credits. That's what that is. Because that's the unit of Star Wars currency, I think. But I'm, I'm going to say yeah. I think it's... Oh, Republic credits. That was it. But, you notice, like, the tiniest of details in these films. It's a whole plot point in episode one. Is it? Yeah. Oh, episode one. Oh, episode one. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine yeah. if you didn't pay attention. No one paid attention to episode oh, one. Man. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. No one paid attention because no one knew it sucked for about the first three months that it was out. Don't worry. <laughs> but it's only when the dust oh, settled. from everyone knew. Well, when the dust settled, then we all agreed it was terrible. Anyway, so um, they had to, uh, they billed Disney for taking their director away. What Ten million, it? not billion, sorry. Ten million. Uh, that would be... Bigger sum, that's more than they paid for Star Wars, but there you go. Poor Disney. Yeah, so uh, poor Disney. JJ to... Abrams must be like, I don't care. No, JJ Abrams not is fine. in his 50s now. Is he? He's like 51. I see, I would have thought he was like 70 by now. Re- well, look at the picture of him. Look, that guy's 51. <laughs> Dad. I mean, he's looking good. He is, isn't he? Like, yeah, good for you. You got a whole. Uh, t- he's going to have that Ted Danson thing when he hits ah. about 65, where suddenly he ages 30 years overnight. Yes. Yeah. Because that dude looks old. He does now. I'm yeah. a big fan of The Good Place. but Me too. Uh, by the way, it's back. Have you seen? I know. So good. Season two on Netflix. I know. I'm Yay. so happy that people in the UK are watching it as well, which is brilliant. Well, I'm only watching it thanks to you. Oh, well, I know. I recommended it to like a year ago. But now that it's actually on UK Netflix, just regular everyday people are watching it and loving it. And I'm so happy by that. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about our first film of the week, which is a relatively upbeat one. It's is it film of the week? Is that a spoiler? I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you wait till the end of the show. And then oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> Every time. Okay, so uh, Home Again, which is written and directed by first-time filmmaker Hayley Mayer Shires, mm-hmm. who is the daughter of, of Nancy Mayer, you know, of rom-com royalty. You know, of all those sort of Meg Ryan-y kind of... Right. Uh, the, the, the Meg Ryan-y, Kate Hudson-y kind of rom-coms of the last 20 all years. All the good ones. Though. All the, the good classics. Ones. Her first film. Right. The, what was the McConaughey thing? Like... Oh, God. Failure to Launch? Oh, is that what I'm thinking of? That's the one. Oh, man, that was bad. That, that, was that wasn't... Bad. That wasn't... Oh. Anyway. Um, we'll let her off then. So the general gist here is um, Reese Witherspoon is a 40-year-old newly single mum. She mm-hmm. has left the kids... She's broken up with the kid's dad. She has two daughters. She's left the dad, Michael Sheen, uh, because he's right? he's a music rep and he's really into his partying ways. He's uh, <laughs> he's still in New York. They've moved out to L.A., where she is actually from. They mm. move into her dad's old house, which is also her childhood home which is this because as we're told at the beginning of the film he was like a a, a, seven, a 60s 70s sort of john houston type filmmaking royalty figure mm. and uh, he's he's left her this this like spanish uh spanish home spanish villa you know those californian villas you get yeah. they're quite clearly based on spanish yeah, yeah, yeah one yeah. of those massive thing anyway so she's turning 40 she goes out partying with the girls as you do. Mm. And uh, she happens upon, uh, you know, a 27-year-old hunk at the bar there. And uh, that's where this conversation happens. Hi. How are you doing tonight? Me? Uh, yeah. Oh, um, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd like to offer to buy you drinks. But really? I think, yeah, I think the bartender is slightly under the impression that I'm taking her home tonight. Oh, but you're not. No, I'm not. And why is that? Because then I have to stop talking to you. I hate to do this, but the manager is making me ask for your ID, so... So, I'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. How's that? Thanks. You should take it as a compliment. I'm Harry. 
by the way. I'm definitely old enough to drink alcohol. Oh, I'm Alice. Me too. Obviously. Right. So obviously there's a, there's a bit of sexual tension there. There's a little oh, bit of chemistry. Man, I mean, I'm so turned on. <laughs> right. So it turns out that he's one of, uh, of, of, of a trio of filmmaking brothers. He's the director. The other brother is the, the sort of next youngest is the, uh, is the writer. And mm-hmm. then the youngest one, played by Nat Wolf from uh, Fault, not Fault Master, the other one, uh, Towns, Paper Towns. Paper uh, towns yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Cara de Megavine one. Um, yep. Eyebrows. Yeah. Eyebrows, yeah. Um, well, he's the actor. He's the young, hunky actor. Right. They, because they're poor and they're trying to pitch their first sort of successful film, which is going to be made off the back of their really successful South by Southwest, critically acclaimed short, mm-hmm. um, they need a place to stay. They rent her guest house. And basically, it, what you've got is the, is the setup for an NBC series. Mm-hmm. Right, where single mom, two impressionable daughters, and the three twenty-something hunks who move in and help out around the house. So Nat Wolf does the cooking. The writer one sort of bonds with the oldest daughter, and who is an aspiring writer, and mm-hmm. he helps her out with her school play. And then, of course, the eldest one is the love interest, as we are literally told at one point in the film by uh, one of Reese Witherspoon's friends. So let me see if I'm understanding this. You've basically got free childcare, um, a, a live-in chef, and sex. Where's the downside here? And you start thinking, yes, if you spread this out for 22 episodes, you've got a network series. How have you gotten Reese Witherspoon to star in this? It sounds like um, Melissa and Joey. kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Or something like a, like a, a CW show. Yeah. Like a CW show that would star a 40-year-old Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like three, three Zac Efron-ish Disney Channel kids. I'd watch that. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Now, here's where it actually surprises me. It's not all bad. I mean, it's it's really? frothy as frothy as anything. Mm. It really is. I I've seen more consistent milkshakes. I really have, <laughs> um, and it's so middle of the road that traffic is whizzing by it at any given point. It's like that scene in Bowfinger where you're trying to just avoid getting hit by the car. Um, <laughs> but there's just enough likability to kind of sell it. Now it's a twelve A, so it's really unthreatening as a film. But you know, Reese Witherspoon's kind of delivering that sort of boilerplate rom com charm mm-hmm. that she's sort of done a million times before. She can basically do that. The three brothers are all pretty well cast for what they what they have to do. Michael Sheen gets to have some fun being the, oh, I'm a roguish 40-something academic, but I actually work in the music business. You can tell I'm rock and roll by my cardigan. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, Candice Bergen's got a decent part as Reese Witherspoon's mum. Who doesn't love Candy Berg? I know. Um, Mrs., uh, Miss Congeniality of me every time. Anyway, um, also Boston Legal. I was going to say, it's all about Boston Legal. But, uh, yeah. I say I wasn't blown away by it because I'm not. I'm not the audience for it. I think this is meant for you know women who Me? are women who are the age I think of Reese Witherspoon in this oh, film. Okay. I'm not and, quite there. No, you're not quite there now. Um, but I think you'd watch it and you would basically have sort of the same opinion I did, which was it's just not going to blow anyone's it's socks fine. off. But it's fine. I like films like that. Like when yeah. I'm I'm kind of a bit sleepy and I just want to chill. Exactly. That. I mean, it's, it's like I a thought. 95, 100 minute long film. It pushes its look by a, probably about five minutes of runtime, but it's fine. It goes where you think it's going to go. Mm. You know, it, it, what you want. it takes all the narrative diversions that you think it's going to take. And, you know, it has all the plot inconsistencies that you actually outright expect of this kind <laughs> of a film, which is you know, at one point you're actually pleading with Reese Witherspoon to explain exactly what she expected. But uh, there is that moment. It's like, lady, what did you think was going to happen when you pitched this one? Uh, whole thing. But. 
it is basically likable. Do you know what it is? It's mm. a box of Gillian chocolates. It's not amazing, but you know what? Sometimes when you're having a, like a really, a really, you know, poor night, you think, "I want to just curl up on the couch with a box of Gillian." That's Have this me movie. Some chocolate shaped like shells. Exactly. That's this movie to a T. <laughs> Absolutely it. So, uh, podcast plug. We got to do that. Uh, Let's do it. So, extended podcast edition. Which this week we're going to review Daphne and Pecking Order. Mm-hmm. At least one of those is great. I will tell you that much. Um, we've also got more film news. Moment of Cage, always fun. I love it. We all love Moment of Cage. Um, <laughs> so all those come after the credits on the podcast edition, which you can get on iTunes, Deezer, TuneIn, or get an Acast and get the digital bling, and then you get the artwork and you can skip to the bits you want. So I've just yeah. downloaded Acast, and actually, it's like pretty it? cool. You like it? Yeah. yeah. I listen to all my podcasts on there now, because yeah, it's got yeah. the entire iTunes library as well. So, it's pretty cool. That is, isn't it? But, okay, competitions as well. If you go onto onscreenfilm.com forward slash competitions or just go onto onscreenfilm.com and have a look around and then spare that extra click as well. Um, loads of competitions for you to, for you to enter. Uh, you can win My Life as a Courgette on Blu-ray with a T-shirt. And that's an amazing movie. An amazing animated movie. By complete coincidence, we also have another amazing animated movie, The Red Turtle. We have oh, that. see, I still haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It's basically I, I a silent I don't want to cry. Uh, I don't know if you'd cry. Uh, you might. You might well cry. It is It is very good. It is very good. Uh, and also, that uh, Jodie Whittaker series, Trust Me. Oh, I really want to watch that. I didn't that. get to watch it. I really no. want to watch it. We're giving away the complete series She's the new Doctor Who, right? She is, yeah. Awesome. Um, she's also from Attack the Block. We all forget that. But, is uh, she? Yeah, where she starred with Johnny Boyega. See, I refuse to watch that film again. I can't do it. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, also, as of Monday, we will be giving away DVD copies of The Exception, which both you and I have seen, and we are reviewing in about half an hour, I think. So, yeah, onscreenfilm.com, competition section, get on it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the onscreen radio show. And we're back. So, where are we going next? Uh, the second review is Brimstone. Brimstone. Okay. You say that like you know nothing about it, and I'm glad. It's true. <laughs> okay, I'm glad, because surprise is a big factor with this film. I knew nothing about it going in, and wow. Okay, brace yourself. Okay, this is uh, this is set in your sort of ye old and westerny times, and it follows... Uh, I keep going to call it L Fanning. It's not. It's Dakota Fanning. I don't know which is which. Right, Dakota was the first one. <laughs> Got it. Right, Dakota was the one who was the cutesy child actress who then sort of never did anything interesting in her teen years and is now sort of reappearing in her twenties. And L Fanning is the one who's still about nineteen or twenty. Okay. Yeah, who also was a child actress but never really stopped working. That Neon Demon. That's L Fanning. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uptown Girls is Dakota Fanning. Got it. Well, Uptown Girls slash Push, if you remember that, Chris Evans. I do. It was Push I was thinking of, actually. So bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really bad. Anyway, so, Elle Fanning is a mute wife of... Uh, a mute second wife to a widower and his uh, and his young son, and we're led to... Oh, and their daughter. They have a daughter together. One day, a new preacher arrives in their town, played by Guy Pearce. <laughs> and the minute he turns up, she senses or knows, we can't tell, remember, she's mute that something's not quite right with the new man of the faith. And before you know it, um, she also also works incidentally as a midwife for this small town. Right, she's having a difficult delivery, and uh, she's forced to choose between the baby and the mother. 
the mother refuses to accept that this is actually something that, that needs to happen. Mm. And so Dakota Fanning takes it upon herself to kill the baby. She is oh, then wow. ostracized and held up as a, as a, a, as a public sort of menace by this preacher. Mm-hmm. And what begins is a reign of terror that we then abruptly stop and we, f- we go to another story featuring a young girl found wandering in the desert, which goes on for 40 minutes and then stops and then goes to, yes, this is four <laughs> seemingly unconnected stories that might actually be more connected than you think. Here's a clip and then I'll do some explaining. I dance on Tuesday. I only drink on Tuesdays. I only drink on Tuesdays. I kill Frank. That's suicide. But they'll come after you. Besides, what are you going to do? Work in some other cat house? Please don't do it. I couldn't stand to miss you. Okay, so to provide some context for that, that is then Dakota Fanning, with the ability to speak, translating for a mute uh, saloon girl in a cat house. That was just words. It it literally is that context. That's my bad. I should have queued that up properly, shouldn't I? (laughs) Sorry. Right. This is fascinating. This, mm. this, it, I mean, it's really something. It's a gorgeous-looking film. I actually realise I need to pull up the director and all the details, because I failed to do that. Um, it's a gorgeous-looking film, but it hinges on these amazing performances. There are times when it calls to mind things like The Revenant, mm-hmm. for its very stark, very man-v-nature, survival-against-all-odds kind of an element. Um, it is written and directed by uh, Martin Kulhoven, who I believe is... I think he's Norwegian. And this is... Like nothing you've ever quite seen, which is a phrase I, I, I tire of saying, I admit. But, um, okay, so Kit Harrington turns up very briefly as well. Mm-hmm. In uh, in full, I am Jon Snow and I know everything for a change mode. British or American? Uh, American, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out he can he can try that occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you know who owns this one? It, it's Guy Pearce. It's always Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce. guy never looks the same twice. He doesn't, does he? He's no. got, uh, the thing I love about Guy Pearce is that permanent sneer. Yeah. That permanently <laughs> folded into his face sneer. And this is one of those films where he's really using it. Right, he's really nuts in this. This is one of those, I'm not going to chew the scenery, I'm going to grind it all up and turn it into a smoothie nice. kind of a performance. <laughs> Um, so, essentially, all you've got the performance by Dakota Fanning, which is a really soulful, a really impressive performance. There's, it's got heft, it's got gravitas. You really feel for this woman. You never quite know why, but when you do find out why, you you it hits you. But Guy Pierce is in the middle of this all, dancing around the flames, having the time of his life, and yeah, he's great in it. Only complaint I'll make about it, mm-hmm. right, is as I've explained it to you, it is basically four chapters, and they are literally opened as chapter one and then a title Mm -hmm. they all named actually after significant parts of the bible because the faith element um (laughs) it feels weirdly like this was an hbo event series and we're just binge watching it and in this day and age even the cast don't particularly sort of mean that that couldn't have been a thing yeah i do feel like if this had had opening and closing credits on each of those 40 minute chapters I, I would have watched this as a series, and I would have loved it all the same, actually. I, it wouldn't have changed how I feel about it. Yeah. I just think it's a really weird thing to note, 
because they're almost exactly 40 minutes, these segments. How weird. It is very strange. It is, though, really, really good. It is so okay. worth seeing. Um, I'm dubious. You might be dubious. Just trust me, though. Take the gamble. It is a bit of a long one. Mm. Right? It's two hours, 28. Right, it one. is a long one, and for some reason, when it's one of these Western type films, for some reason, it always feels longer. Yeah. But uh, see, because you know the Revenant being nearly three hours did not help matters. <laughs> um, but no, so worth checking out. Really, Ooh. really something. But there you go. Nice Give one. me a piece of quick film news then. Something. What we got? Well, apparently, Zack Snyder's come out of hiding. Oh, oh, he has, hasn't he? Yeah, but he's said, I'm not going near Justice League. Because he thinks he's been away too long, and Joss Whedon's now done too much work on it, that Got he thinks it. it's not my... He's about so it's not a say, shame thing. It's not a shame thing. <laughs> no, no, if he had any sense of shame, he we would have gone into hiding the minute Batman v Superman's closing credits came up. As we all did. Yeah, most of us hid ourselves <laughs> under our pillows at that point, but uh, wow. <laughs> it's on Now TV all the time. It's and still I just, better than Man of Steel, though, to be fair. No, no, I don't even think that. Oh, no, God. don't even think, because the first half of Man of Steel I can almost defend. No, I nearly but, fell asleep. Uh, As you know, I am uh, prone to doing. <laughs> That's very true. You fall asleep in actual cinemas all the time. <laughs> so, All right, so uh, next review, uh, what have we got, Killing Ground? Yeah, let's Killing Ground. Okay, so Killing Ground, which is written and directed by Damien Power. Ooh. What a name, I know. Right, this one, not an awful lot to say on this. This is an Australian uh, sort of dramatic horror film, survivalist horror film. Uh, it centres around a couple who go for a romantic, an- uh, romantic not anniversary, New Year's camping weekend. Mm-hmm. They've literally gone to camp in the middle of nowhere and rain in the New Year. No sooner do they get there than they encounter a, a, a young couple a young couple with two kids mm-hmm. there as well, a, new, a newborn baby and a teenage daughter. And um, next thing they know, they've gone for a stroll. They found the couple have vanished. The daughter is being threatened by two strangers and they find the baby abandoned nearby. And what follows is a sort of Australian Eden Lake Ooh. where they're all fighting for survival against these two nutters, one of whom is named German. Here's a clip. Hello. <laughs> What are you doing? Did I scare you? Um, where's mum and dad? Don't know. What are you doing? Nothing. Just relax, okay? Just get away from the car. I'm not going to hurt you. Just get away. Why don't you come out? Oh, yeah, it is really sub Eden Lake. Like, I mean, and that was an awesome film. I loved Eden Lake. It's one of the yeah. few films I like Jack O'Connell in. I mean, consider what that must mean. I mean, really. That means the stars aligned not once but twice for me to enjoy a Jack O'Connell performance. Because <laughs> um, obviously the other one being Money Monster. Um, this just doesn't have any real sort of anything, any oomph, nothing really about it. It doesn't have that sort of enjoy, engaging visceral nastiness of Eden Lake mm. or even the sort of gripping survivalist element of that. It kind of just meanders through really I mean, it does ultimately feel like just a bunch of people walking in some woods and two of them are just a bit scruffy and i think the ultimate test of these things is did you come out of it exhausted not exhausted but i mean it, it, it's not even 90 minutes it's like 88 minutes long it 
still somehow feels too long. It all just feels a bit worn and a bit done to death. Mm. And you're not exhausted by it, but you're never engaged by it. You kind of just stare blankly at it. And it just happens. It just happens. I mean, Damien Power, his script isn't particularly insightful. His direction is not really bringing anything of interest to the table. There's nothing in there that's going to wow you or dazzle you or, or really captivate you in any way. Mm. And really, there's no there's no one on the performance front to, to that, that leaps out. I mean, they're all basically unknowns in here. And you do come away just going, that was just a, that just a, was a film that happened. It was a film that exists. I can say nothing more about it. And I think, to be fair, that's pretty charitable. It does smack of the kind of cheap and cheerful film that sort of they, gets dumped at, like, Fright Fest. Yeah. Somehow gets picked One for Fright Fest. One of those that's within the agenda somewhere, kind yeah. of in the middle. Gets minor buzz for about five minutes after the screening, before the next screening starts, and then no one ever talks about it again. It's basically that. Oh, man. Yeah, which is a shame, but, you know, these things happen. And, you know, this year's Fright Fest, they had Cult of Chucky. So, you know, if, if this... And this wasn't showing this year, but if it was, no one would have talked about it for five seconds anyway, because, hey, Chucky's back. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, should we have some fun with the box office top five? Please. Number five. <laughs> the emoji movie, brackets 3D. Brackets 3D. <laughs> um, funnily enough, you know our mutual friend Marcus? Yes. Well, I, uh, I was having a drink with him the other day, and uh, he was, we were talking about modern movies and the state of the film industry, and uh, I, I actually told him the plot of the emoji movie. It has I, a plot. It has a plot. And I've never seen a human being so visibly bubble with anger in my life. <laughs> about Did he become an emoji? Uh, that red-faced one, that, that entirely red-faced, furious <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, he did. Imagine that with a big old hipster beard, and you've you've got Marcus. About the point that I told him that they they get rescued by the Twitter logo, a flying version of the Twitter logo. Um, I genuinely thought he was going to have an embolism. Do you know I'm so desperate to see this? Right, film. It, it is. It, it's it's not the worst film out at the minute. It's not even the worst film in the box office top five because I'd argue number one is far worse. Um, it's. It is what it is. I mean, it's one of those sort of cheap cash grabs like kind of Angry Birds where there is some creativity in there. You've Mm. got to give it credit. There's some creativity in there, but it is creativity that is clashing with the attempt to simply just do a cash grab. And the problem with the Emoji movie in this case is that all that's wrapped up in let's be as corporate as we can possibly be because I really want to charge Facebook for sticking their logo in there. (laughs) But you know what? I laughed like three or four times faintly, so I'm okay with that. Sure. But have you got any tweets for me on this matter? I do. Has anyone seen it and want to comment on I it? I do. Now, I think this person's famous and I ignorantly don't know who they are, but okay. I loved this tweet so much. So, Christian McCray? McCrea? No, I don't know. No. Okay. Anyway, prepare yourself. Okay. The Emoji Movie is a wolf howl from the hill, and we're all sitting by a warm fire hoping it's just a dog. More <laughs> films like it are coming. I just thought, like, how well, dramatic. <laughs> there is a Tetris trilogy coming. So. What? Yeah, there is a trilogy of films based on Tetris coming. So make of that what you will. <laughs> Number four. Hello, mother dear. <laughs> of course, it's mother! <laughs> exclamation point! Yes, it's lowercase m, exclamation point at the end. Now, let's be really frank. If you're looking for a good time at the cinema... Don't go and see Mother. That's not to say Mother isn't any good. Mother's a very good film. Mm. It's a terrible movie, but it's a good film. It's an excellent film. Mm. But it's one of those where you have to really differentiate the terms film and movie. 
You know what I mean? In the old school, traditional Hollywood sense. Sure. Right? Taxi Driver is a film. Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie. Got it. Yeah. You get what I mean? Got it, got it. Yeah. This this ain't nobody's popcorn or date movie. And frankly, if it were, I'd be very worried about yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> performances are great. Uh, the direction's top notch. Uh, the, just the sheer cinematography, the production of it is complete A calibre. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's it's not an easy watch it's a film that you have to sit and academically study for weeks afterwards to actually properly process i've read a million and one different think pieces on it now and it's become a hobby it's actually become its own centralized hobby just researching mother like this is what i do on what, as in like what happened or just like different people extrapolating different meanings from it and different oh, thematics and it is one of those it's one of them that make me feel stupid yeah yeah, it's kind of like that. I, I, that, that. Do you know what? That, that's perfectly, that's perfectly, uh, perfectly serviceable as an explanation. What is Twitter? Because Twitter always has very differing opinions. Give me something. What it's we got? It's true. I think most people kind of agree with you, but this one probably puts it uh, pretty perfectly. Okay. This is by Movie J. Movie J. I know. Movie I know J. of Movie Bob. I watch Movie Bob's videos all the time. Well, this is J, his friend. Movie, Movie J. J. Okay, so Movie J and Movie Bob, they need to team up. But movie, Jane needs, uh, movie Bob needs to shut up then. Yeah. Which You've is You've got to shame. be silent, right? Yeah, it's a shame. I don't know. So he says, as a blockbuster, hashtag mother movie is a flop because general <laughs> audiences are cats whose entertainment is limited to chasing laser pointers. <laughs> well, do you know what? Theoretically, if you really boil it down, not inaccurate. Mm. Like I just said, it's the difference between Taxi Driver and, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But that's fair. Is there an opposing one? Do you have an opposing tweet for it? Do you know, like, most of the tweets were kind of, oh, I get it's arty, like, it's not that great to watch, but you know, yes. it's kind of art. Like, that was basically the gist of Twitter. Yep. That, do you know what? I'll go with that. I think the public have spoken, and for once, the public and I kind of agree. Number three. Victoria and Abdul. It's so lovely. It really is. I just I just want to watch it again with a scone and a really nice cup of Earl Grey tea. Make, What's on the scone? Well, well clotted cream, obviously, and some, and right. some jam. Cool, I'm in. But I, I want to do that and then follow and then chase it up with some samosas. That, I feel, is a balanced way to watch it to another one. <laughs> it is so lovely and so funny and charming, and then when it gets to the darker elements, it's kind of depressing and sad and miserable, but then it gets back to being charming and funny. And I really loved it. I gr- I, cool. you know, I grinned ear to ear the entire way through it with faint breaks for uh, getting a bit misty-eyed. That, that's what I will say. I think uh, Ali Fazal, um, fantastic in it. Judy Dench, bringing the A-game as always. You know? I was going to say, that's, that's what she do. Exactly. And then Eddie Izzard turns up as Bertie and he's fanst- fantastic in it. He's, he's just nice. frankly fantastic. <laughs> so, any tweets on it? There are. And actually, I picked this one specifically because it's like... The opposite of your view. Okay. Um, so this is at toad underscore missus. Okay. I'll never exert myself to find out, but I suspect I'd enjoy Victoria and Abdul about as much as an enema. Well, I should say you shouldn't comment on films you haven't seen, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, I know people who actually walked out of the cinema midway through Alvin and the Chipmunks and then told me the film was rubbish. And my response was, how would you know? For all you know, the third act was like The Sixth Sense. Truly. It had a twist worthy of the sixth sense, as far as you know, in that third act. But you can't comment because you've not seen it in full. 
take that, Mrs. Toad. Number two. Hi-ho, Georgie. This is It in IMAX. Wow. Okay, there's brilliant film news on this we've got to discuss later. Yes, we do. The the funniest story on it. But, right, okay, I really liked it. And the thing with it is it's it's a film that, for me, I like more as time goes by. Mm. And I really liked it to begin with. I don't think it, it... as great an outright horror film as, yeah. as you think because it's not a particularly scary film totally agree yeah. I laughed so many times you kind of do but you laugh at the sort of the weird mind bending sort of brilliant absurdity of yeah. it yeah, and yeah. I keep going back to the sequence with the projector uh, with the kids in the garage with the projector like this should be really daft but it's not yet I still laughed at the yes. wonderful absurdity of it yeah, 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 because totally. I can't believe you're actually doing this I can't believe it in a good way but it's it's fantastic that you are doing it I think for someone's second film that's an amazing job I think it was awesome. Like, I was never bored at any single oh, point. Oh, no, no. But also, I was kind of exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> Great. Right, what did you think of Bill Skarsgård, though? Oh, I thought it was amazing. He's good, isn't he? Right, I had a thought earlier. Yeah. Right, you, you tell me what you think of this. I think, right, he, he's kind of painting himself into a corner here because he's under the makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Pennywise. He's mm-hmm. not even using his own voice, right? He enjoyed G. Exactly. So when he gets, you know, because he's been in It, he's been in the big blockbuster, yeah. so obviously he's going to get a high-profile gig for his next film and it'll be like a, he'll be in a suit with a gun or something. Or, he you was know, in Atomic Blonde. What? I, manic, my next point, right. Okay. But the post, the post It, when he gets like a lead role. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. No one's going to know who he is. <laughs> no one's going to know. They're going to have, oh, Bill Skarsgård. And everyone's going to be like, Who's the, who the hell's Bill Skarsgård? Don't you mean Alexander? You'd be like, don't you mean the guy from, oh, it's the guy from It. No, no, the guy from It was a clown. Like, no, no, it's the guy under the clown suit. Oh, okay, not interested then. That's the problem. See? You see where I'm going with this? I see. Yeah. I see. But uh, anyway, I really liked it. I thought it was really impressive. He stayed. I thought the kids were all great, with one exception, and even then he got better halfway through. Um, Probably know which one you mean. I mean Finn, Finn Wolfhard. That's the one. He of the best name ever. It is the best it name is, ever. Isn't it? Like yeah, Finn I hated Wolfhard. him at the start of that thing. I was like, oh my God. Because he had nothing kid. to do. Yes, yeah, true, but, true. Uh, so, tw- tweet me what we got. Tweet. So, this is uh, Sumption Michael at Sumption Michael. And he says, It movie is a cinema savvy rites of passage filmmaking of the high. Well, I've messed that up. <laughs> okay. It movie is a cinema savvy rites of passage filmmaking of the highest order, a resonant exploration of apparitions and adolescent anxieties. A lot of big words there. A lot of big words. Okay. Number one. Manners. Maketh man, <laughs> man that went on forever. It did, didn't it? Uh, it's <laughs> kind of like the film. Uh, sure, yeah, kind of like the film. Film goes on forever. So, please read the title. <laughs> Kingsman: The Golden Circle. IMAX <laughs> should be called Kingsman: The Golden Shower. It really is. <laughs> oh, it, no. it frankly has about as much substance. Oh, I'm it so really good. does. It is hands down one of the worst sequels of the year. I would genuinely rather watch Transformers: The Last Night again Jeez. than watch this a second time. That's bad. That that's how much I didn't enjoy it. I'm still going to see it. I mean, I'm sure you are. And you know, given the amount of money it's made, which is frankly whopping. Mm. I mean, it is four times higher than it this yeah. last weekend. Which is crazy. Um, Given the amount of money, obviously a lot of people agree with you, and the brand loyalty for how how much people love the first Kingsman, it was amazing. It obviously shows. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing with it: you will know 
believe me, you will know within 60 seconds whether or not you're going to enjoy this film. Mm. Within 60 seconds, you will know. Because without going into spoiler territory, the first 60 seconds of this film feature A, a returning character who shouldn't be there. Mm. Not the one you think either. They've not, they've not given it. Well, actually, they kind of did give it away, but not quite. Not in the way you think. He's not Colin Firth, put it that way. Okay. Right. <laughs> Features a returning character who has no business being there. Yeah. And an action sequence with no physical weight or, or, or obedience to the laws of physics whatsoever. And you just look at it and think, eh? Eh? What? And you're doing <laughs> that. The, and you do that for the first few minutes. You just sat there like sort of squinting your eyes, trying to work out what what's happened here. And then after about 10 minutes, you kind of start looking at your watch. Um, It's a film so ludicrously constructed that it doesn't even obey its own internal sense of logic. It itself does not make any common sense in relation to not only itself, but its predecessor, the film that came before it. Which, if you remember, was this quite nasty, brilliantly cynical, kind of slick spy satire. No, no, now you've basically got an R-rated Austin Powers. Oh, and that's a problem. I mean, remember the the gag that ended the first movie? Mm. Imagine a ten minute long version of that, and you've. Oh, by the way, they didn't just take one thing from that that gag. You know the gag as well. Yeah, that gag at the end of the they didn't just take the gag and blow that out to ten minutes. They took the girl from that gag and gave her an entire subplot. But there was another girl that was so much better. Well. If you actually consider for one second what the plot of Kingsman 2 is, you know she's not getting much screen time. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's a lot of that going on. Although, it should be mentioned, all of this takes place within a film in which, apparently, Americans cure death. So... Well, yeah, we all know that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Americans chantator, you know. Hashtag Trump's America. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There is a gag about the Trump administration, incidentally, which might actually be the only clever thing in the film. Nice. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Um, So, give me a tweet. What have we got? Well, I've got to say that Twitter highly disagrees with you. Oh, I'm sure it does. Because people don't like to admit that they've paid money for something they haven't enjoyed. Yeah, true. So, we've got uh, Ultimate Kiko here. Okay. And he says, Kingsman the Golden Circle certainly upped the ante with super fun, ridiculous mayhem from start to finish. I'll go with ridiculous yeah uh well what can i say if your idea of a good time is an even worse version of men in black 2 congratulations this film is for you so uh real quick review for goodbye christopher robin let's do it okay so goodbye christopher you can't have missed the marketing on this one it is I, refi- the, I hate christopher robin as a rule that you actually hate the character yes. or, or the real boy no, no, no. Oh, okay. ca- I mean, if it's a real boy, fine. I'd probably hate him too. <laughs> <laughs> really played by an irritating child actor as well. Okay, so a uh, goodbye, Christopher Rob, which is the story of A.A. A. Milne, mm-hmm. who is played in this incarnation by Donald Gleason. Domino, Donal, let's call the whole thing off. Domino Hole. <laughs> Domino Hole. Okay, Domino Hole, Gleason. Um, so he comes back from war. Um, he is shell-shocked. He's suffering PTSD. And uh, he needs he needs to get out of London and and get away from this, this noisy lifestyle in which he's writing West End comedies. Ooh. He just needs to get his head together. So he moves his family, which basically consists of his wife, played by Margot Robbie, nice. who's very much a city girl, um, and their son, C.R. Mill. Guess what the CR stands for? Hmm. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I think is they call him Billy. This is the weird thing. Well, obviously. They call him Billy and they Billy's call short him. For Christopher. Everyone his knows name him. is Blue. He, the, the A.A. Milne's name is Blue and Christopher Robin's name is Billy. It's so weird. We're just thinking, why do you people have names? 
It, why, just, why have them? You've just invented your own anyway. Anyway, so uh, once in the countryside, he sees his young son, who I think is about five or six at this mm. point. Uh, he sees the bond that this kid forms with not only his nanny, but also this um, assortment of stuffed animals. And they all look very familiar in sort of archetypical ways, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. And, of course, A.A. A. Milne then constructs the story of Winnie the Pooh around the the the, uh, the interactions his own son has with his stuffed teddy bears. And then as these things tend to happen, the fame starts to go to his head. He drifts apart from his son. And uh, ten minutes before the end of the film, there is an entirely different plot. Here's a clip. A toast to England's funniest writer, ready to put the smile back on our faces. What do we fight that war for? Well, it is over. What am I doing about it? You're doing what you're good at, writing plays. I had enough of making people laugh. I want to make them see. I need to get out of London, somewhere quiet and trying to think for once. You're going to live here. This is your new home. <laughs> Mummy says you're writing a book to stop people going to war. Mm. I think your book is a jolly good idea. You're the only one that does. I'd really like if you wrote a book for me. I'd definitely read it. Shall we go for a walk? Aren't you working? It doesn't seem likely. Right, I, uh, as you can tell from the uh, the, the clip there, uh, there's a, it's, it's, it's a very prim and proper I sort of... I threw up a little bit in my mouth, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll, I'll be really honest. If if the clip made you do that, the film probably will just have you full-on dry heaving. Um, won't make me want to visit London, <laughs> will it? It's, it is that kind of movie. It's totally that movie. You know in that way that uh, Victorian Abdul is so charming and twee? Yeah. This is nauseatingly charming and twee. Uh, will Tilston, who plays the young Christopher Robin, it's just infuriating. Mm. I mean, he's a good little actor, but there's something about him that's just infuriating. And then they cast uh, an actor to play him in his in his later teenage years, mm. and frankly, then he's just mopey and boring. So he's a yeah. teenager. Now, I did very much like Donald Gleeson in it, but it is not a performance a million miles removed from anything we've ever seen Donald Gleeson do before. Frankly, if you saw his brilliant Nazi speech moment in The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. you've seen better work than you've got here. And he's the lead here. Now, I'm very glad he's the lead because Donald Gleeson needs to be a lead more often. Mm. But... I would kind of like it if he got better material to work with than this. It is a film that basically wants to be finding Neverland, but lacks the gumption to follow through on it. But it has Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it does. It really does. Um, right, here's the weird thing. I mean, it is one of the worst-paced movies I've seen in quite some time. It, right. it has awful pacing. I mean, it, I think it's we're, we're midway into the second act before he cobbles together the idea for Winnie the Pooh. And how long's the whole thing? The whole film clocks in an hour and 47. Ugh, that's a long so time. So you're kind of near the hour mark before that point. Uh, there's The problem is that when you get to what should have been the third act, mm. you are 10 to 15 minutes from the end of the film. And this is material that should have been the third act. And it all smacks of someone's rewritten this yeah. very clearly. Someone has rewritten this because there's some padding in there. There's some quote-unquote character beats mm. been added in there and i don't yeah. get who the audience is for this film who's this it, it is, at? I, I think it is aimed at the finding neverland crowd it does seem to just be there it seems mm. to be hey you liked uh, johnny depp in finding neverland well we can't afford him so here's the winnie the pooh version um, <laughs> everyone can afford johnny depp. apparently everyone can now because yeah I, I think he'll he'll sell you his kidney for 50 quid i think now <laughs> i mean those accountants they're snapping his heels but uh, that that's not ours to comment on here's a break 
with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen. And we're back. So, uh, where are we going next? Do we? Uh... Well, let's talk about a film that I have seen. Yes, you have seen this. The one. exception. Okay, so the exception. So this is uh, this is the story of a uh, she Hungarian. She's Dutch. She's Dutch. Dutch girl working for Kaiser Wilhelm. Of course. Yes. Okay. So the Dutch girl is played by uh, Lily James, mm. and she's really good in this. She is really good. Although to be fair. Lily James is starting to really turn into something promising. Mm. She's been threatening to for some time. She is. Um, so Lily James is a Dutch girl who's working as a uh, a servant in the household of the then exiled Kaiser Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. So this is between World War One and Two. This is on the cu- sort of on the cusp of World War Two. Yeah. And uh, right. Germany sends uh, an envoy to Kaiser Wilhelm's uh, residence to basically protect him and keep an eye on him. Said envoy being played by Jai Courtney, a.k.a. one of the worst jobbing actors in the business today. (laughs) Or at least mostly one of the worst jobbing actors. Ah. Once there, he begins a relationship behind the scenes with our Dutch housekeeper. Very swiftly. Very swiftly. And, and kind of wordless, too. Yes. <laughs> Without it's, conversation, it's one would say. more of a thing in the eyes. It's, it's more of a, a, a an ocular-based communication, but yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, this coincides with he, his, his being assigned a job to find a spy for the British who may be in the surrounding area and plotting to kill Kaiser <laughs> Wilhelm. Here's a clip. You're new. Yes, Your Highness. No need to be alarmed. What's your name? Mika, Your Highness. Dutch? Yes, Your Highness. I see. Well, tell me, uh, child, would you have invaded Holland? If you had been in command of the German army, would you have invaded Holland? Why, yes, Your Highness, of course. I see. And what precisely is your military objective? Well, it's very nice. What is? Holland. So, Lily James there as uh, our Dutch housekeeper. I she forget had her name. an awesome accent. She really did, didn't she? It's she's she's really flawless. Mika, that's her name. Mika, yes. Yeah, and he's Stefan Brandt, isn't he? Uh, 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 Jai Courtney. Captain Brandt. <laughs> I almost said Kai Jortney. Kai Jortney, yeah. <laughs> he's so forgettable, you probably could call him Kai Jortney and no one would notice. You mean Tom Hardy Mark II? Tom Hardy Mark II. No, he's the guy you get when Sam Worthington is busy. That's oh, man, that's generally speaking, yeah, it is. Uh, that's why he was the lead for the next Terminator movie, and Sam Wellington had done the one before. That's totally it. We have news on that. As we well. do, yes. Okay, now there are some great performances in this. I think, as we point out, Lily James is really something she's here, really and good. she's just got this tremoring presence that yeah. you, you can't help but just sucker for. There is something captivating about her in but this. But it's not immediate. No, At first no. you're kind of like, what is going on here? I don't really get And then you kind of fall in love she with her. She draws you in, doesn't yeah. she? Uh, Jai Courtney, uh, I'm going to give it to him. He's pretty good here. Dude was awesome. D- dude was pretty good. He yeah. Was. Um, I didn't even know it was him. Did you not? No, I was like, oh, it kind of looks like Tom Hardy. <laughs> kind of like Jai Courtney. I didn't realise it actually was him. Between this and Hacksaw Ridge, I may be forced to... I have this feeling I'm going to be forced to revise my opinion on Jai Courtney <laughs> at some point in the future. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it might. He's threatening. Yes. Uh, I liked Christopher Plummer's Kaiser Wilhelm, but... He was brilliant. My MVP, even though he is tragically wasted by this film, Eddie Marson <gasps> as Himmler. He was... Was he Himmler or Goering? No, it was Himmler. He was amazing. He like, was I hated me. him instantly, just 
just from looking at his face. But you wanted so much more of him, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a real shame because he really acts the hell out of that part. And I, I actually heard from Eddie Marson that he was this character. No way. Yeah. And, uh, Name dropper. N- I know. Clunk. But, uh, but I, I hadn't really, I'd never seen a clip and I'd kind of forgotten mm. in the week between that and actually seeing the film. I'd forgotten. And then he turned up and I'm like, oh, I like Eddie Marson. And then, five, you know, a couple of minutes later, I'm like, wow, he's really good in this and then remembered <laughs> oh yeah it's Eddie Marston of course he is um, but yeah wanted more of him um, directed by uh, David Laveau uh, not written by so I think it's the first film David Laveau it's an adaptation of is it the Kaiser's Last Kiss or something like that the novel it's a novel I, can't, I was going to say is it a real story is it based on I think it's Kaiser's Last Kiss no it's a fictionalised account of the final days Got of it. No, that's oh, the thing. gutted yeah so obviously his death happened uh, this is the events leading up to it so spoiler if you didn't know that Kaiser Wilhelm died you know because it is like 70 years later now so you might have, you might have sussed that he's not around anymore just put that out there um not played by crystal plumber but yeah can't be too careful no i liked it i i mean i think it suffers from a, a, a periodic case of slightly too much ambition like there are points in it and i'm sure you'll back me up on this where you get the very distinct sense that it really wants to actually be taken as an erotic thriller yes and you think, okay, are you going to go down this route? Because if you are, hats off to you, because that never happens anymore. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, they fall back on the, the spy thriller thing, and you, you okay, so really we're just kind of doing Allied again. And then, mm. okay, and then then it's a, a, a wartime chamber piece. And the problem is it, it has all this ambition, but doesn't really follow through with any of it. And yeah. it, it becomes a case of we've just got different different cards being laid one on top of the other, and what you've got is a sort of mishmash at the end of it. The performances are good enough, actually, though, to weather through it. Yeah. And you're never really bored. You can definitely I wasn't bored. bored. It's lovely I, looking. And it's not my cup of tea. Like, when I first kind of read the synopsis, I was mm. kind of like, oh, no, Nazi wartime. <laughs> but it's pretty enjoyable. It's quite light. Into, not in terms of, you know, it's light-hearted. Oh, no, 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 God, light no. in terms of it's not some hard-hitting historical epic. No, it's it's it has got popcorn appeal in a very strange totally. way. There is yeah. definite popcorn appeal in there. It's, uh, it's a good old-fashioned period piece romantic thriller kind of a yeah. thing. Um, I think it's more mainstream than it thinks it is. Definitely It, is. Def- it definitely, definitely thinks it's more of an intellectual film than it actually is. But I do think it's a gorgeous film to look at. It, it does utilise its setting very well as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those performances are just top-notch. I, I just got to give... I mean, I think Lily James is really something. And I, I watched this the day after finally getting to see Baby Driver again. And I love her in that movie I've so much. I met it? Lily James. Clunk. Like, I met her, um, but n- when no one knew who she was, when she was in Cinderella. I was going to say, she was yeah. Cinderella. She was in Cinderella, and I met her, and I, wow, she's lovely, and very charming. She's brilliant in this and, film. Uh, yeah, she's and I really, I really expected we'd never hear from her again. Mm. I, yeah, I really did. I, you wrong. Yeah, after Cinderella, I thought, well, we're never going to hear from her again. But um, she, I, you know, I didn't realise it was her that played Cinderella, though, so maybe that's what it is. Yeah. She's like a Guy Pierce. Ah, okay. Never looks the same twice. That's very true. That is very true. Okay, we're really pushed for time, so we better actually kind of wrap up and then go to the podcast extras Let's do and it. cram all the extra news in there. So don't forget, podcast edition. If you want more news, more reviews, um, there's a Russian movie about a chick with a with a, a with a tail. That, where yeah. do you get that? You're not going to get that anywhere else. So yeah, you're not going to get it on Desert Island Discs. So um, <laughs> we need to pick a film of the week. What's it going to so, be? I'm giving it to Brimstone. Woo! And not just because it also shares the name of a really awesome cancelled TV series from about 15 years ago, from about 20 years ago now. Um, Yeah. No, Brimstone, really worth checking out. 
Like, definitely go see Brimstone if you get the chance. It is two and a half hours long. It will get you thinking briefly, but it will also entertain you, and it will tickle that little spot you've got left over from after The Revenant. How sweet. So, yeah. So, uh, next week, we've got some uh, some interesting stuff to come next week as well. What's coming up? Okay, so next week, we've got The Glass Castle. Oh. Starring in Misbury Larson. It's nice. a shame case, isn't it, right? It's going to be a Brie Larson movie. Uh, we've got a reissue of Blood Simple, the old Coen Brothers movie. That, nice. that old classic. Uh, we've got Idris and Winslet <laughs> in one glorious mountain set package. The mountain between us. Oh, it was an anticlimax. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the one that they're strangers for, you know, who survive a plane crash and have to survive on a mountain together. Sounds cool. I'm sure most women would love to have to survive on a mountain with Idris Elba. Yeah, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> We've got The Reagan Show next Ooh. week. It's a documentary uh, about the Gipper. I'm looking forward to that. And, well, there's this sequel people have been murmuring about for a while. What's that? It's, it's got Han Solo in it. It's got the Ooh. dude from The Notebook in it. What? It's Blade Runner 2049! <laughs> and it's out next week. So, you can all check all those out and a bunch more stuff next week off screen. Uh, don't forget, competitions for my life as a courgette. Trust me, song to song and the exception. You can find all those on our website on onscreenfilm.com in the competition section. In the meanwhile, this has been the Kelly Stubbridge for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, And podcast extras then, Ms. Needham. So, we got loads of news. Sorry, I didn't we get to fit much news into the radio edit this week. I was week. too busy blabbering on. <laughs> yes, you, you talking all the way through that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it wasn't you that was rambling, was it? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, loads of news. Do you, want, do you want to give us a piece to start? Well, I want to know more about Mark Wahlberg. So, apparently... You want to know about Mark Wahlberg in general? Just in general, I mean... Mark Wahlberg of the Boston Wahlbergs. Of the Boston... What's it? Wahlbergers? Oh, Wahlbergers, yeah, yeah. That's, his, <laughs> that's actually a reality series, isn't it? It's like, haven't they opened it? No, they, it's an actual, it's an actual restaurant chain that... Oh, uh, and they've done a TV show. There's a reality series set around the chain. It is called Wahlbergs. What happened to you, Wahlbergs? But, well, I think it's fair to say that neither Mark nor Donnie are particularly involved with, uh, with the Wahlbergs chain. So, anyway, know. that's not the news. The news is about him getting some sort of instant family. Oh, yeah. This is, this is so weird, this news. Remember earlier I mentioned about Paramount being really bad at making films? Yeah. That, you know, that make money? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the actual hits that they've had in the last few years was a film they made relatively cheaply, and that was Daddy's Home. It was awesome. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, right. It was. And we've got a sequel this Christmas. I'm not. No. Yeah. Why? Well, because they could turn it around in apparently about three months. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was so weird. Like, no, no sooner did we have Daddy's Home than they had Greenlit sequel the following weekend. They were filming about a month later, and now it's out this Christmas. And it's obviously complete because the trailer looks pretty finished. Uh, well, here's the weird one. This is another Paramount project that they're looking to fast track, which mm-hmm. means basically we'll see this next Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's called Instant Family, and it stars There's Mark- some irony in there, yeah. right? Stars Mark Wahlberg as a dad who he and uh, he and his wife are a childless couple who decide they want to adopt kids, Aww. and then the kids turn out to be Hellraisers. Ah, you should think that who sounds weirdly close to Daddy's home, doesn't it? Yeah. Ah, it's completely different. Completely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, having an instant family that you you sort of acquire that's that's totally different to Daddy's Home. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, yeah. totally, different. totally. Different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, if you just get Linda Cardellini to play the wife, I mean, 
That's inspired. <laughs> inspired, isn't it? <laughs> but you know what? I'm sure they'll make it for like 25 mil and they'll earn about 150 back. So Paramount can call that a win. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, let them go for it. But, uh, you know, it'll DD, these things happen. So sure. let's, let's stick with some news. Come on, let's keep going for a little while. What have we got? Well, apparently, Amityville, The Awakening. Oh, God. It's coming out. Finally. 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 I think but it's. Not as you think it will. Not as we thought. I think this is three years late. Well, that's I, I, pretty I'm good, right? pretty sure this was meant to be released three years ago. I can imagine that it's a lot of like in-depth, serious <laughs> reflection that's needed for this film. It's got a really good cast as well. I know! But, well, not really good, but high-profile cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not ever going to call Bella Thorne a good actress, but you know yeah, what? She's famous. She's famous, dog. She's Insta-famous. She, she Insta-famous. She, famous. She Insta-famous. But, and, and Snap-famous. And Snap Famous. She is. Apparently her Snapchats are deranged, but... Uh, Have you seen that terrible movie? It's on Netflix, like mm-hmm. a Netflix original. I can't remember what oh, it's called. Is that one, uh, like, like the Before I Let You Go or something so, like yes. that? Yeah, something like, like that. it's like Swim Fan, but it's like Swim Fan for now. Yeah, funnily enough, I have I have got this on my, my watch list, and I've just oh, not got around it. to it. <laughs> is that the one? Does it start? It's either Clumorettes or Holston Sage. And I, uh, I Holston Sage sounds like it might be right. Chloe Moritz is definitely not in it. But Bella Thorne is uh, kind of the main. Is she the psycho? She's the psycho. Of yeah. course she is. She's actually pretty good as a psycho. But I mean, the film is terrible. I would imagine she's excellent as a psycho. I would really. I mean, I've seen The Duff more times than I care to count. That's a great film. It's a great movie, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why we just ever since now TV we just have. Just had the Duff and Mean Girls on all the time. Sounds like the perfect team. <laughs> anyway, back to Amityville. Back so to what's Amityville. going on here? Okay, so this film, I don't know why, mm. they just they don't want to release it. So they've come up with a compromise, that which must is... be awesome, then. Yeah, I know. So they are going to release it, but they're going to release it, is it into, I think it's into the Google Play Store? Yeah. Like, for free... For two months. And during these two months, it's going to have like a one-week theatrical release in the US as well, like for Halloween, for like the week before Halloween. It's very strange. To which you're just like, why bother with the theatrical release? You've kind of already confirmed that Yeah, who's going to go to the cinema and pay Um, when they can sit at home? The people who turn up and find out that Jigsaw is sold out. That's sure. that's pretty much it. Ah, it's the backup movie. That's it. it they, I think they're positioning it as a backup movie. They'll get the overflow. That's it. It's kind of like any movie that made money when My Bloody Valentine 3D was out for that like month. <laughs> you know, it was only out for like a month in one screen in your multiplex on one showing on a Friday night. And if you didn't get in, you had to just see something else. Mm. Otherwise known as the only reason I paid money to see Yes Man. You paid money? Which, I, I admit, I liked it. I, I like Yes Man. I don't particularly Oh, like it's it. not a money-paying film, though, is it? Like <laughs> shove it on the background kind of film. Well, I mean, back then we didn't quite... We weren't quite so tired of Zoe Deschanel, so... True. Yeah. And Danny Wallace is awesome. Yes, yes, there is that. Yeah. And, and actually, yeah, one of Jim Carrey's better, sort of, during his slump of movies. Mm. Then were the days of Jim Carrey. Yes, I know. Oh, you see, you've got Mr. <laughs> Hanks on your screen there. I do, yeah. So apparently I'm, he's going to lead the English language remake of a man called Ove. Is it Ove? Ove? I, I think Ove? it's Ove. I think it's Ove. <laughs> um, now, I was a really big fan of that movie. Mm-hmm. I was a really big fan. It was, it was a great movie. And the idea... Right, first of all, if I understand, you know, if a foreign film is, is a certain level of success, then obviously you kind of, you feel obligated to remake it in the English language. Like the Intouchables? Intouchable, yeah, which yeah. is, what's that called now? The the flip side or the upside? The upside. The upside. Yeah. Now, to be fair to that, Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, yes, that's 
that's a casting that kind of makes that film. Well, also, like it's Kevin Hart's a dirty word right now. Really? What's he done now? Oh, Scandal. Scandal. Oh, okay. Cheating on his wife, oh. all sorts of stuff. Scandal. Imagine that. Being a rich, successful, handsome young man and then utilising that wealth and success and sex appeal to commit infidelity. I, I can't imagine like, such a thing. But it's like a trail of, like, he's cheated on his wife, who's actually the woman that he cheated on his wife before with. Wow. It's like okay. the whole thing. I don't know. This is all going a bit Leanne anyway. Rhymes, isn't it? Anyway, back to a man <laughs> called... Oh. <laughs> yeah, so Tom Hanks is going to start in the uh, in the English language remake, which I presume they'll just keep the, the they'll, I presume they'll keep the bulk of it but change his actual name. And where was it originally from? Uh, was it no, I think I want to say Swedish or Norwegian. I think Swedish. They're usually pretty good films. I think it was Swedish. Uh but yeah, really funny film, really touching, and I can actually see Tom Hanks. Working. Do you know the plot of it? No, no idea. It is about a widower who <laughs> basically about a widower who lives in this sort of gated community that he helped set up decades previously mm-hmm. and decides to end his own life. And the movie literally opens with him trying to hang himself, only to be interrupted by the arrival of a new family next door. Whom Those he, darn movers. Yeah, whom he immediately hates, and then every time he tries to kill himself afterwards, they interrupt. And he finds himself forming a sort of weird bond with them and sort of welcoming them in as a sort of surrogate family. He becomes like an adopted grandfather to them. Oh, it sounds a bit like, what was the one with Bill Murray? Oh, uh, St. Vincent. St. Vincent. Yeah. In fact, yes, I remember saying that at the time. It was a bit St. Vincent-y. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it wasn't that. That was the, uh, I was Wilson. I was thinking of the, the Woody Harrelson one. Ah, That's like St. Vincent. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But yes, this is a lot more like St. Oh, Vincent than you would think. Sure. So, well, one more then for the, for the next review. Go on. <clears throat> well, we hinted at this in the show, but there's some news about Terminator. So, come on, tell me what's going on here. Terminator 6. Okay, so you know how uh, you've forgotten the existence of uh, Terminator Genesis? The what? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out that uh, the next Terminator film is going to do the exact same thing, and they're just going to pretend it didn't happen, otherwise known as what everybody who saw it did. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know? convenient. It was. It was more convenient to just pretend it didn't happen. I hate it. It really annoys me, this, though. It does, like As much as people want to forget about it, it annoys me. It's like when, um, in TV shows, when they replace the actor that plays somebody, but they don't like reference it. Or, like, Boston Legal characters mm. would just disappear main characters yeah i remember that uh, wasn't that didn't my favorite one what was her name i wasn't even thinking of her i was thinking of uh rona mitra yeah yeah she no, vanished people yeah just disappear. i know strange though but it does annoy me when there's like just no reference <laughs> things did happen we we might not like it but it happened well, there was a character who disappeared and then came back, and they went and, and they were, they explained it sort of after the fact. Oh, he went and got a job for the other side. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, actually, if we're talking about characters getting changed out for other actors, my all-time favourite one actually because there's some doozies. But I think the one that we it didn't work in the slightest, but yeah. we have to give them credit for trying was Sliders. The TV series Sliders. What happened? Because Jerry O'Connell, yeah, and at that point, both on and off screen, his twin brother left the show. He has a twin brother? He has a twin brother, Charlie O'Connell. And in the... Jerry uh, gets all the credit. Exactly. <laughs> well, and they actually live together in reality. <laughs> really? They live together with Jerry's wife. Some, oh, no, that's creepy. I was going to say, that's really adorable, so, but no, that's next creepy. Next time you see Rebecca Romain in anything, think about that for a second. She's mm. living with her, her husband and his brother in a really tiny house. Anyway, um, <laughs> about the size of this one. Anyway, um... <laughs> So, what they did to explain these two characters leaving was, they had them go through, uh, the, like, every episode began and ended with them going through the wormhole. Right. You know, to the next 
plot of the next episode. To slide on in. To slide through the wormhole, yeah. The slide, as they called it. So what happened was, they had the, the I think it's the fifth season, the final season, literally mm. begins with them coming through the wormhole, and then another wormhole opens on top of their wormhole, and a version of them from another universe comes through at the same time, and they merge to form a new person. Oh, this is so Rick and Morty. It, no, 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 Rick and Morty <laughs> would have been cleverer about it. <laughs> Rick and Morty is far, far cleverer than than this film, this this idea ever was. But uh, no, uh, what they did was well. They 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 then didn't call him Quinn because his name was Quinn Mallory. They just called him Mallory. And so oh, the I final see what they did there. Yeah, so the final season literally just has this other guy playing a dude who has all the memories of their friends and he's and their surname. Yeah, it's just Doctor Who, right? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But hats off to them for trying it in, like, 1998, because it was basically unheard of at that point. Well done. But, yeah, you know, 98, 97, something like that. And in conclusion, Terminator 6 is going to ignore Terminator Genesis. Yes. So this, Sorry, this roundabout point. Yeah, so... Um, we digress. Apparently, it's just going to be a direct sequel to Terminator 2. So this Terminator 6 is actually going to serve as Terminator 3. Is the guy going to be in it, the one that's in Terminator 2? What's his name? Patrick? Was Oh, Edward Furlong. No, the guy... Oh, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. No, they're not allowing him to come back, even though he has gone out of his way to tell them, look, I really want to come back. I'm really interested to let me come back. They won't let him come back. Oh, that's Apparently, it's okay to get Arnie back at 71, but you can't get Robert Patrick back at, like, 60. I'd rather Patrick... Too old. Robert Patrick, good, he's in Scorpion. He's, He's very enjoyable in Scorpion. Just have him back as the human being that they based the T-1000 on. There we go. That's our plea, then. Please have him back. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's going to be a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Linda Hamilton's back as uh, Sarah Connor. We revealed that last week. And James Cameron's producing. And uh, uh, Tim Miller did Deadpool. He's directing. Nice. It's got a release date, which is the uh, 26th of July, 2019. Uh, so, you know, watch this space. We'll see what comes of it, I guess. Nice. Yeah. Why not? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but do you know what? My- I think, actually, do you know what? Calvin summed it up best when he said, is it just me, or at this point, has the Terminator franchise become like the actual Terminators themselves? It keeps coming whether you want it to or not. <laughs> it keeps coming. There's no way to stop it. There's no stopping it. Yeah. Just it can't experience. be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with, and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Or Arnie's dead? Is that bad? No, because they've already proven that they can just use CGI to reanimate Arnie, because they did that in the fourth one. Ah, there you yeah. go. So if you remember, a young Arnie did fight Christian Bale. Oh, of course. Yeah. There you go. So, and Arnie was nowhere near that production. That was entirely CG. Bet he got paid, though. So let's talk then about... Uh, should we talk about a Russian movie about a middle-aged woman with a tail? I'm very intrigued. So yes, please. <laughs> That's not a pitch you hear every day, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me try and, try and pronounce this. Ivan Vod- Vodovsky. I'm just going to go with Vodovsky. So Ivan Vodovsky, written and directed this. Uh, Zoology, which is um, which is about a middle-aged worker in a zoo who one day, she's getting back pains, mm. right? She's, 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 getting, she's getting back debilitating back pains. She just keeps wincing early on. Her life's kind of miserable, a bit dowdy. She's got her elderly mother living with her who's slowly going, slowly losing her faculties, but also becoming slightly more religious at the same time. They live in a quite a small, mm-hmm. t- small community, small isolated community anyway. And it turns out these back pains are, in fact... I want to say a vestigial tail, but no, a full-blown tail, like a full-blown rat tail. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, that she kind of like has to tape down and, <laughs> and keep under her clothes and things. 
And basically, it's a really difficult one to describe. Obviously, we haven't got a clip because it's entirely in Russian. Um, she begins a romantic relationship with her doctor, who... Once he saw that tale. Well, this is the thing. He, he awakens within her a sort of exuberant, uh, a, a reignition of youthful energy, as it were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it's about basically how she processes her old life with the youthful energy that she's rediscovering. And also <laughs> the sort of burden and blessing that is this tale. And, uh, right, she is played by, hang on, silly... Uh, Split screen thing here. It's right. Natalia Pavlenkova. Oh, I know plays, her well. You know her well. Plays Natasha. <laughs> and she's right, she's amazing in it. Mm-hmm. She's really, really great in it. Um the film though is a bit all over the shop. It it kind of I suppose for the most part, it's a midlife crisis kind of a story. Right. But its inciting incident isn't really the usual, you know, I've had a nervous breakdown or I've had an effect kind of thing. It's there's a tale. And that tale kind of is surplus to requirements in a way. It's literally an exciting incident that just gets kept around. Mm. But outside of that, the midlife stuff is really interesting. There are other plot elements that seem a bit disparate. There's a sort of quasi-religious persecution element that they try to make something of. It never quite works out. Where she's, oh, there's a demon wandering around the village. It's got a tail. You know, and you think, okay, if this is going to end with her, like, you know, being burnt at the stake, then hats off for inventiveness. But... (laughs) They, but Would that have been that inventive? I'm not sure. <laughs> I've probably been intrigued. Sure. Okay. But, you know, there's a there's a, a big mob-beating scene in Mother that you kind of think, I would love to see that repeated here because I just wouldn't see it. I wouldn't see it going in that direction. But, uh, yeah, it is, for the most, it, it's intriguing. It really is. It's intriguing and it does hold your attention and you don't want to look away for the entire time it's on. But you do come away from it thinking, I'm not entirely sure what the hell I just watched. <laughs> I didn't mind it. And I thought her central performance was really interesting. Yeah. But, eh? Yeah. You know when we talk about like really interesting foreign films getting made into English language remakes? Yeah. This will never be one of them. <laughs> like, this is not... You're never going to see the Kate... lady with the tail. Yeah, you've never seen Kate Blanchett in an English language remake of this. You know what I mean? Or, Although if anyone could pull it off... Oh, it'd be Kate Blanchett. Yeah, totally. She's got... Or Tilda Swinton, maybe. T- too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Too obvious. Too obvious. Too easy. Tilda yeah. Swinton. She could cough this one. Let's out. give it Bella Thorne. <laughs> Bella Thorne. That's a challenge. Yeah, Bella Thorne playing a middle-aged woman. <laughs> but oh, I tell you what, though, it is weird. When I watched Home Again, and they keep insisting that uh, Reese Witherspoon keeps reminding us that she's 40. And you're like, I feel like you're really hammering this point home now. She has to, though. Have you seen her daughter? Oh, is the daughter who's now about 20 and looks exactly like they Reese Witherspoon? They are identical. They are, aren't they? Identical. It's crazy. It's freaky. Oh, I tell yeah. you, I, I, I've never particularly been a fan of, of Reese Witherspoon. Oh, shocking. Um, and I, I've always put it down to the fact that she slightly freaks me out. Because without me, she has a micro-expression. Mm-hmm. Right. Are, are you familiar with micro-expressions? Yes. Right, the whole lie to me. Actually, you, yeah, you'll know micro-expressions through, through work stuff. I do. Um, right. She has a micro-expression that is just like a cartoon villain. <laughs> and once you see it, you can't unsee oh, no. it. Right, okay, it's like Chris Pine's mole. You, once, you, once you know it's there, you he can't... He has a mole? Uh, oh, no, you've ruined him for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, every actor has this one thing. That once, you, once you know it, you can't not know it's it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And it's, it, it's like Christian Bale's uh, walk. Between his, uh, oh, yeah, Yeah, like, like once you see it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that one. She's got a micro-expression that's a cartoon villain's face. 
And it it comes up a few times at home again. I'll be honest, now I just sort of chuckle at it. But I'm yeah. going to have to watch uh, Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> oh, God, I couldn't take that one. <laughs> there was one a couple of years ago. Like I'm sure it was like two years ago. Mm. There were two Reese Witherspoon movies mm-hmm. that got sort of kind of dumped to DVD in this country. And I remember watching the trailer for one of them, thinking that looked really, actually looked like it had potential to really make some money. Ooh, no idea. It was a, it was, it was a few months before Wild. But we seem to like rom coms are not the in thing these days. <laughs> no, no, they have seemingly died a death, haven't they? It's a shame. It's because we live in an infinitely more cynical age. That's what it is. Tinder has killed the rom com. True, but now we get like how to be single, which is kind of a rom com, but it's not, and it's empowering. But then at the oh, last come minute, on. how it's to be not. single is complete fiction. Are you seriously telling me that there is a universe that any writer can conceive of in which Alison Brie is depressingly single? Well, that's why it's a rom com. They're not believable. Are they? It's like, you know, she's all that. I'm really ugly because I wear glasses. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're literally wearing glasses right now. Just went there. No, I was I was being genuine in my statement. Uh, no, I just uh, I, actually having said that though, you, you got to respect she's all that, but uh, oh, it's awesome, but it is you know she's all that is a film with the unmitigated goal to pretend that Freddie Prince Jr. could have a film career. Oh. I mean, we we got to give it that. That's brave. Dude gave up. He's a chef now. Don't worry. <laughs> is he? Yeah. I thought he was the head writer for the WWE. He might do that too, but he's also a chef. I'm sure. Oh, man. We never got that Scooby Three, did we? <laughs> I'm sure the Twitter people will tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> Telling you, we just needed Scooby Doo three. That's that's all we needed. But good uh, times, good times that we simply just didn't get. Do you want to do some more news, or do you want to yeah, do give us some more news? We're having fun with the news. What we got? Cool. Well, this one I'm kind of excited about. I don't know much about it, but apparently, the Walking Dead creator. I don't know, question mark. Oh, uh, Robert Kirkman. He's going to adapt Kill the Minotaur? I don't know. Uh, Right, Kill the Minotaur. This is actually quite intriguing. I've not had the chance to read this comic series, but I hear really good things. Well, I'd never heard of it before until this kind of news broke, but it sounds like the kind of thing I'd be into. Well, it's it's like an almost Percy Jackson-fied, you know, Mm. contemporary update of classic mythology. Hmm. but with adults. That's what I like. Speaking of, can we get a Percy Jackson 3, people? Come on. Or at least give me a TV series. Oh, the second one was kind of rubbish, though. Oh, I don't know. Liked it. Mm. Kind of liked it still. Mm. I just... It's a Netflix series. It's not a movie series. It's oh, a Netflix. I agree. I, yeah. you'd, you'd watch the hell out I of it would. as a Netflix yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so the idea is it's a contemporary reimagining of Greek mythology, specifically Theseus's journey into the lab, into King Minos's labyrinth to face the Minotaur. Yeah. The Minotaur isn't just a mindless beast, though, in this version because everything's been reimagined mm-hmm. the, the minotaur is like a, a man bull hybrid who has his own desire to conquer the world and the labyrinth is now this basically entire world all of its own in which everything is designed specifically to kill you oh nice and this is what they're making into a movie so yeah that's awesome. also the comic books creators are actually writing the script for it so it does sound awesome yeah we though. can't complain it's not going to be the source material well please yeah, i'm looking forward to that yeah plus i'm sure sam worthington's looking for a role oh man i'd ruin it <laughs> probably would wouldn't it <laughs> what else we got some really exciting news about it come on tell us what's okay. going on all right so it chapter two I mean, this was a given. We all knew we were getting Chapter 2. Um, I mean, the movie literally ends with Chapter 1. Now, given that the... I think I, said, I must have said this at some point. The bulk of the audi- the teenage audience, particularly, going mm. into this movie, yeah. uh, probably just didn't know there was a second part until probably the very end. Probably not. You're probably right. Yeah, they probably didn't know. Because it's not like they'll have watched uh, that naff old one. It's know. awesome. 
Yeah, which is awesome. And I maintain holds up better than people think because it just looks like every other Stephen King adaptation at that point in history. You just kind of forgive it because it's yeah. great and Tim Curry's amazing. Also, what fat kid doesn't want to grow up to look like John Ritter? There you go. A bearded, hip as hell John Ritter. <laughs> also, I'm just putting it out there. How sexy was Clark Kent's mum in that movie? Yeah, like, I, like, I always forget it's her. Yeah. I literally saw like a screenshot the other day in an article and I was like, oh, I forgot she was it's in it. It's Martha Kent. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michael McKean's wife. I need to rewatch that. Uh, what, Smallville or it? No, it. <laughs> I'd say no one needs to rewatch that. It OG. It OG. <laughs> <laughs> We're down with the kids. But so, um, yeah, so It Chapter 2 is now official. It is <laughs> greenlit, even though they were already writing it and yeah, Andy Machetti was already coming back to direct it. The film still wasn't official. It but was it in must be coming out soon, tell me. It is now coming out. It is going to be out in 2019. What? It is going to be out in December 2019 as well. What? So it's... So we can have a Daddy's Home sequel in like three months or whatever. <laughs> you can have a Daddy's Home sequel in a fortnight. I can have... You've got to wait two years. For it. I can actually, have like six Daddy's Home sequels. Well, the reasoning behind it, I actually think, is that uh, I think Andy Machete's got other projects on the go. I don't care. Because, you know, he's, Dump he's got this momentum. But Dump this em. guy wants to remake Pet Cemetery. Really? He wants to do his own version of Pet Cemetery. I'm all for that. Given oh, given how it, it turned out, let him do it. Yeah, do it. I just want to know when is someone going to do Cujo? Yeah, because that one hasn't been touched in decades. Do you know which one I really like? You it's terrible, but I really like it. Thinner. Oh man, I love Thinner. I love Thinner. White man from town. Classic. Funnily enough, uh, the gypsy daughter in that is one of the cast cast members from Sliders. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It all connects together. Yeah, I see it all because everything in life just leads back to sliders, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Including a million and one ripped off Stephen King plots. What a depressing but, uh, thought. Yeah. But I would watch uh, I'd watch Thinner again. Who would you cast as the dude now Thinner? Oh, I've no idea. I got wait, wait, wait. Brian Cranston. Oh, do you know, literally, yeah, as yeah. I was saying, I've no idea. His face was you could in see my it, mind, totally. Yeah, yeah, Brian Cranston in a remake of Thinner. Come on, Hollywood, make this happen. To be fair, though, who are, like, Brian Cranston, who are his, like, equivalent peers in Hollywood right now? I don't know, actually. Brian Cranston seems to have taken the slot that Tommy Lee Jones wanted 20 years ago and never yeah. got. And... I don't know. I feel like Brian Cranston is just going to become a more available Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, more yeah. available. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I feel like that's the case. <laughs> I'm good with that, though, to be fair. Yeah. Should we do another bit of news for, for our next review? Let's do it. Tell me about Clifford the Big Red Dog. I'd really rather not. <laughs> I need to know. But right, here's the thing. Is Clifford the Big Red Dog, is that something that's known in the UK? Well, I mean, I know of it. I don't. I, th- I swear, my little sister used to watch it. Well, this is. Oh, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Uh, well, because I obviously have a very Americanized upbringing, so I, I know these kind of things that aren't really things in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Big Red. Uh, big Red one. Dog. Um, this is a popular uh, popular series of children's books from the sixties. Apparently, they've sold one hundred and twenty four million copies to this day. Ooh. Well, that's a thing. Um, it also got turned into an animated series. It had a couple of sort of animated TV movies over the years as well. The general of the plot is it is about a young girl who gets a little red puppy for her birthday Aww. only for the puppy to grow to be 25 feet tall. It's like the dream. Exactly, yeah. We'd get on really well if Lola happened that way, yeah. Um, <laughs> she's like the opposite. Yeah, exactly like the opposite. She's 25 centimetres long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and this is it. So what they're doing now is they're turning it into a live action CG hybrid. Oh, and it's live action. Yeah. So that obviously, I think the way it's going to work is that Clifford will be CG animated. Well, I don't think and they're going to put someone in a suit. Well, I mean, 
points for trying. I'd, I'd give them respect for trying. Yeah, true. And given that it's a Fox movie, we can say it would still be more creative than that last Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they've gotten a director. They've got uh, Walt Becker, whose biggest directing credit was Alvin and the Chipmunks' The Road Chip. Oh, man. Which also was a live-action CG hybrid. So, But the kids liked it, right? I think so. I remember getting abuse from someone in their 30s on Twitter for giving mm. it a vaguely negative review and being told I'd missed the point of it. Oh. I mean, I, I think I did declare that you could literally just get the soundtrack and, and kind of skip the film. But Kids like things like that. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's a fourth Kids like one. these things. Kids like Despicable Me 3. And let's be fair. <laughs> and that's a that garbage sequel for garbage good. people. <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. I still can't understand for the life of me <clears throat> what uh, what narrative function that film actually serves. I mean, it undoes any of them, any of them, all of the Minions storylines, doesn't it? They didn't it? even use the Minions. They were like, they might as well not bothered. Might as well not been in it. Don't they invent a minion character with an established backstory who we've never heard of before? Yeah, I can't remember. Who's sort of the leader of them. Yes! Uh, And you were like, where did this one come from? Yeah, we'd never heard of many of the ones, but evidently Gru took them on holiday and things. Yeah, weird. Uh, Yeah? No, I don't know. But, okay, fair enough. No, whatever. Should we do a review? Do a review, what we got? I'm desperate to know about this one. I think I know which one this is. Pecking order. (laughs) Tell me everything. Right, okay. Pecking order, which is... I'm almost almost terrified to do this one. (laughs) Pecking order is a New Zealand-made... It's not a mockumentary. I was going to call it a mockumentary. No, it's not. It's a documentary. It's real life. A New Zealand documentary about competitive chicken pageantry. (laughs) Right. It's about what? Compe- like competitive? <laughs> how would you describe it? It, it, it? Right, it is about the 2015 National Poultry Show in New Zealand. Sounds very nice. In which, and it chronicles these chicken breeders who gather, who descend upon this this sort of pageant or competition every year to display their finest chickens, <laughs> whom they have groomed to perfection. Have we got a clip? We have got a clip for this. They've groomed them to perfection, and they've you know they've, they've got them to walk in a certain way. Tell me, they have little tiny chicken combs. They, they do. They really do. And and you know they pour over their feathers and they look for like spots that don't quite work, and they smooth them out and like maybe clip that feather. Do they and... hold the like tail up? You know, like when you see like crufts when they hold like the chin and the tail. Kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It's like crufts. It is like crufts, and uh, it's written and directed by Slavko Martinov and. I tell you what, we'll save the actual review for after the clip. Here is a clip of, of what to expect with pecking order. I'm part of the Crash Hitch Poultry Club. I love chickens. Uh, my friends probably describe me as different. My wife says that I love them more than her. Do you want to go on a pen with a heater on it? Eh? <laughs> bird knows when it's a good-looking chicken, you know. All the birds are judged to the New Zealand poultry standard. We'll go with them, eh? Poultry show is very competitive. I just love winning. You're the centre of attention. It's awesome. Right, this is really bonkers, but not in the way that you'd hope. I think the big, the biggest problem with this, actually, is that actually it's a documentary. And, and why does it exist? Well, 
I, I get the impression that Slavko Martinov has, at some point, just come across this competition and uh, and, and has decided, oh, this is full of really quirky characters and it, it, mm. it's it's fascinating in a really odd, offbeat way. Um, so I'm just going to document it one year and that's what's happened. And the problem is, actually, it doesn't quite hit the buttons it wants to. And what it would have worked better as is a sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, Christopher Guest comedy. Mm. You know, like Best in Show yeah. or A Mighty Wind. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, one of those kind of films. And it just doesn't quite work. It does have some chuckles in it, but they're all for all the wrong reasons. You're are kind you of, kind of laughing at rather than with? Yes, okay. you are very much laughing at it's rather than with. And you never quite get immersed enough into the world for the, for, the, it's, for its innate comedy to really work. Mm. So it does kind of, it has a rubbernecking feel to it. Yeah. Or chicken necking feel to it in this case. Rubber chicken necking. Um, and it's... It's not without its quirky characters. I've got. I mean, I give it imagine. that. Yeah, it obviously has. These are people whose whole life centres around I have the sexiest chicken. You know, obviously there's a quirk factor there, and I must be a niche audience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine it's going to be huge with chicken lovers. The world. <laughs> They're always crying out for this film. There's, there's obviously a gap in the market for, you know, proper cinematic chicken fodder, but, you know, <laughs> the chicken genre of film is sorely lacking. It's pretty much this chicken run and cooties. That's about oh, it. Man. And even then, cooties is a technicality because the chicken nuggets make everyone into zombies. But that's really... Oh, Killer Joe... Because someone is assaulted with a chicken. Of course. Yeah. Who can forget? Who can forget? Yeah. Which pretty much this and, this and chicken run, I'd say. That's, that's, that's all that occupy that genre. But uh, it, it it's one for the documentary completist only. I wouldn't really recommend it specifically to comedy fans because I don't think it's quite got the comedic mileage. I guess to... it'd be more like a nasty comedy because, you yeah. again, you'd be laughing at the people. Yeah. It, it just doesn't quite... I, can't figure out really where the where the niche is. I I, I just can't, and mm. I I think that's that's a real big sort of shame. But uh, I don't know. I was faintly amused for the eighty eight minutes that it that it went on, but I feel like I was amused in the wrong way. Give it a miss, get a KFC. <laughs> Give it a miss, get a KFC. Exactly, definitely. I mean, don't don't check it out if you're a vegan or anything. Definitely, I mean, you're a veggie, so <laughs> yeah. I think I think this might just reaffirm your path in life. As long as they're not eating the chickens. Right? Oh no, no. I mean, that'd be a good twist ending, though. Oh man, that'd be awful. Like, Jamie chicken... Oliver comes in yeah. and puts them in the grinder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I don't, because that's a plot point in uh, a certain other film, but uh, a certain big Ooh. film that's out at the minute. Ooh, grinders and people. Anyway, man. Yeah, you won't know about it. Don't don't look into it too much. Okay. Right, okay. So, news me. What we got? So, I want to know, there's a new buddy cop comedy coming. Oh, God. Because we, we needed another one. We've not had one since, what was it, Chips? <laughs> oh, don't remind me of <laughs> Chips. Oh, Well, this one's God. got more potential, though, right? Right, okay. So, this is this is because we were talking about Daddy's Home earlier. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the big thing with Daddy's Home is at the end of the movie, when John Cena turns up. Love it. And you think... Yes, we're finally. I hope we get a sequel now, just so that we can see John Cena, the man who looks like he ate Mark Wahlberg, start opposite Mark Wahlberg. He's a surprisingly good actor. He is, though. He really is. I I loved him from the first time I saw him in Sisters. I think he's yes. so good in that. Always 
excellent in that. Was it, uh, was it? My safe word is keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even funnier in the outtakes at the end when he yeah, just keeps yeah. going with different safe words. And Trainwreck, to be fair, he was probably one of the best things in it. Oh, definitely. Hands down. I don't think there was enough of him in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he needed to come back towards the end, like a little, little small appearance at the end. So who's going to be his buddy then? John Cena and... This makes me very happy because I finally got to rewatch The Big Sick this weekend. Ah. It's Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, yes. Good I, times. I, I, I love Kumail Nanjiani. I'm such a fan. I've been a fan of his since uh, Franklin and Bash. I actually hated him in Franklin and Bash. Really? That's really Pindy. Did. I could not bear him. Oh, I loved I, him in I it. Just, but yeah, he's grown on me totally, but I still haven't seen The Big Six. Oh, The Big Six really good. Um, I guess I watched it and I watched it this weekend and actually even its faults, I, I now I now actually, I, I think it was one of the best comedies of the year. And even in spite of its faults, I think that. And actually watching it for the second time now, I actually got to go, oh, actually, those faults really aren't as prevalent as I thought they were. Yeah, this is even better than I thought it was. Nice. Okay, that works. I think he is a great talent. I think he can really be something. I'm. Uh, you would never pair him with John Cena. No, that's the brilliance of it, though. My only thing is, when you hear that, Kumail Nanjiani and, and John Cena, buddy cop comedy, you kind of think of the other guys. Ah, true. You kind of think yeah. of something of like, like that. I would never have paired them together. Like, I feel like John Cena's going to play an amazing action fi- action figure kind of a cop who's an idiot, and Kumail, yeah. Kumail will play, like, uh, a physical weed who has the brains. Yeah. I feel like that's the movie. It's too obvious. But what's really interesting about the film, because it's still untitled, but what's really interesting about it mm. is it's going to be directed by Ruben Fleischer. Oh. Of Zombieland ill, oh. and he's doing the new uh, the Spider Man spin off with Tom Hardy, uh, Venom. The Venom film, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that could that's really got potential because I want to see like Ruben Fleischer do more kind of mainstreamy actiony comedy kind of a stuff. Yeah, because I feel like he's never really recaptured the glory of Zombieland. Zombieland was awesome. Oh, I love that movie so much. That sequel is still apparently coming. Is it? Apparently. Sony have it. So. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So what else we got? Well, we've got, um, I presume this is kind of a kid's film, but Teen Titans Go movie? Right. Have you not seen the series, Teen Titans Go? No, okay. never heard of it. This is about, I think it's, it's just starting its fourth season, I think, at the minute, or it's in the middle. The fourth season is around now, anyway. What is it? Like Cartoon Network? It is a, it is a Cartoon Network show. It's, it basically takes the form of, each episode takes mm. the form of two ten-episode 10-minute mini-episodes. You know like Ren and Stimpy used to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where you'd watch it for 20 minutes, but you're actually watching two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, same thing with this. Rugrats. Yeah, Rugrats did it as well. Did it? Yes, it did. Um... And this takes the form of basically the, the Teen Titans uh, group, who are sort of the youthful contingent of the DC universe. And it's done in a style of sort of uh, uh, really in-your-face uh, anime kind of a style. Mm. You know, with big eyes and big eyes and little eyes and, and kind of blank faces. Yeah. The kids love it. It is really popular with kids. Uh, but then again, everything Teen Titans seems to be popular. It's very strange. Um, it's basically Robin is the leader of the team, and you've got Cyborg in there. And- oh, so it's the actual DC Yeah, it's an actual thing, but it's, oh, but it's for kids. Uh, so it's Robin, Cyborg, Beast Boy, I think Starfire, and I don't particularly watch it. I'm not overly done. Uh, but, like, known sort of DC heroes, yeah. and it's their sort of youthful animated antics. They did an animated movie... A couple of years ago, which is something like the Teen Titans Go Tokyo or something like that. Got it. But now, uh, Warner Brothers are doing a full-blown, feature-length, theatrically released animated film mm. next summer. So, summer 2018. There you go, it's kids. But this is interesting. It's going to be the middle one of three animated superhero films next year. Oh. 
which starts in June with The Incredibles 2. No. Yeah. Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 is out in June. How has it taken this long? Uh, maybe because they just didn't think superheroes were going to catch on. And then they saw, oh, look, they messed up the Fantastic Four again. Shall we show them how it's actually done? And, yeah. So And then, you saw, and then you've got uh, so Incredibles 2 in June, uh, Teen Titans Go mm-hmm. in July, and then in December is Sony's animated Spider-Man movie. Oh. So, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Oh, no, it's, it's going to be. It, it's Miles Morales. It's the fan favourite. Ah. It's not Peter Parker's Spider-Man. It's the second guy to be Spider-Man. The one that we got a bit of an Easter egg to in Homecoming. Yes, yes, we are. I think is it Donald Glover is doing the voice. Yeah, I think Donald Glover is doing. Yeah. No, no, Donald Glover is doing the voice in the in the animated movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or or he has, and he's. I don't know. I forget. I don't know. But whatever. Uh, but yes, we did get Donald a bit of an Glover Easter something. in Homecoming. Donald Glover played his uncle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Cool. But yeah, it's all coming up, Donny. <laughs> did he win an Emmy last week? I don't know. I think he won an Emmy for Atlanta last week, like best actor in a comedy series. He deserves it, to be fair. Yes, yes, to be fair. So come and give me another one we've got. So Phil Lord and Chris Miller directing Artemis. Right, okay, right, this one's interesting. So Phil Lord and Chris Miller are the Lego movie and Jump Street guys. Got it. Okay, so in other words, the insanely funny, brilliantly inventive, excellently writing duo. Mm-hmm. Right. They famously got fired from Han Solo a couple months ago. Hasn't everyone got fired from that? I think everyone got fired from a Star Wars movie this year. <laughs> but I think it's just what happens now. Things like a badge of honour. I think I'm the only person in the world who hasn't been fired from it. Have you well, been fired Well, I know from I one? was, yeah. Were you fired from one? Like, I haven't been fired on. from one yet, no. Um, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Django Fett movie spin-off, and I'll, I'll get fired from that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, 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 Fortuna, I'll get Bib Fortuna. I'll get fired from his spin-off. Anyway, <laughs> that's really niche Star Wars stuff there for you. There you go. <laughs> You've lost the audience. They've yeah, gone. Pretty, oh, no, I'm pretty sure we have a large contingent of nerds that listen to this. Because they, they, they do hit us up with some really obscure things in communications. Anyway, um, so they got fired from Antola. They've not really done anything since they've sort of... I think, they've, I think they took a well-deserved holiday, to be honest. Oh, you would. I'd, I'd be kicking back on a beach. Yeah. They've now taken their first directing gig. It is, you know, Andy Weir, who wrote the book The Martian? Yes. Which then obviously got turned into... A brilliant movie, and the only good thing Ridley Scott has made in about 20 years. <laughs> okay, that, that movie. Well, it turns out that Andy Weir, who wrote that, has written another novel called Artemis. Yeah. That is being turned into a movie over at Fox, because The Martian made them so much money and got some Oscar nods. It also won the Emmy for Best Comedy or Musical. Oh, of course. Yes, quite fair. Well, I love that. Golden comedy Globe? Was Golden Globe or Emmy? I think it was Golden Globe. I think it might Golden Globe. Golden Globe. Yeah. Best Comedy, comedy or, or Musical. musical. Best Comedy what? or Musical. Which you can make the argument, I suppose, that you know The Martian was all of the above, plus sure. a sci-fi movie? Musical? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of disco in there. Yeah. yeah there was a lot of disco in it. It had music. Mm. Well, his follow-up novel, Artemis, uh, is about a 20-something woman mm-hmm. who lives in a small town called Artemis. Ah. Um, and she's really stifled by this sort of dull small-town life, and she fancies herself a bit of a smuggler. And it gets her embroiled in a conspiracy to be- over control of this town. Oh. And here's the twist. This town is the first and only town on the moon. <gasps> Dum, dum, dum. A <laughs> what, what a twist! What? <laughs> so yes, that that's that's the follow-up, and so Phil Lord cool. and Chris Miller are going to direct this. Okay, so it's going to have some quirk. When are we getting that then? Jack, I don't think there is a release date on it, but uh, so TBC. TBC, but 
I'd imagine that sounds like an 18-month, two-year job. I think, cool. I would imagine. There's you know, a lot of previews on that. Well, so. based on The Martian, I'd give it a watch. Oh, God, yeah. Martian was amazing. Yeah, it Love was The Martian. I can't remember how many times I went up seeing The Martian. Too many. I was right three times, theatrically. But uh, I think I was at Fox one day, and I had an hour to kill, and they had a screening on, and I just popped in. For just an hour? No, for the last hour. Ah. But, uh, and do you know what? Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna, I did ask. I did ask. I just walking. I did ask. Oh, okay. I'm but, glad you uh, cleared that up. Yeah, I just, I just, want, to, just want to clarify that. I did ask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another review. What we got? We've got Daphne. Oh, Daphne. Okay, this is an interesting one. So, have you ever seen the TV series Fleabag? No. Okay, I would have thought that actually would have been uh, very much your thing. Oh, maybe I need to watch it. Uh, it's a, I think it was a BBC Three series, around mm. uh, about the time that BBC Three was still sort of sputtering some kind of life. Is that still a thing? I don't think it is anymore, mm. but I think it was in the death throes of BBC Three. Right. Uh, it wound up, I think, going over to, the, the show wound up going over to like BBC Two or BBC One. It starred uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as this sort of dysfunctional late 20-something, early 30s, who talked to camera mm. and just narrated basically the miserable, nonchalant, hedonistic life that she led. But there was a bit of a darker twist to it. This works as basically the film answer to that. Okay. Right. It is written and directed... Sorry, not written and directed. It's directed by uh, Peter Mackie Burns. It's his debut. It's written by uh, Nico Mensinger. Um, it stars Emily Beecham as Daphne. Okay, she is a she's a thirty one year old, nonchalant, hedonistic, you know, you know, miserable woman who doesn't doesn't talk to camera. But she does kind of narrate bits of it. Right. Um. She kind of just meand. She works in a kitchen in well, effectively a muck job kind of thing. She's just a kitchen worker. Yeah. Um. And this is not what she wants to do in life or anything. She's quite dissatisfied. She derives her pleasure in life from basically just going, getting wrecked, and taking the first guy home that she can. She doesn't even learn their name. She assigns them names, like I literally like it. gives them a name. That's your name. Oh, <laughs> and tells them, so it's right. not even like Owen a tells secret them. nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> know, you're Jim now. You know that. That's basically it. <laughs> I love it. And uh, after one such night, one such one night stand, she's going home. She stops by the corner shop for literally cigarettes and headache tablets. Mm. And uh, while she's there, the store is robbed, and the shopkeeper is stabbed in front of her. Ooh. And she basically is. Uh, she she basically watches over him, calls the ambulance, and and yeah. The police then refer her to counselling mm-hmm. because obviously after such a traumatic incident. And I'll tell you what, the clip is from one such counselling session. So here we go. I understand you were witness to a violent assault. Perhaps you could start by saying something about that, about what sort of emotions that brought up for you. What sort of emotions? Mm. Things affect us in ways we don't always expect. Do you think that it's true that we're just matter, that we just die, and that's it? Or the whole heaven and hell thing, that those are basic two choices? Is that something you think about a lot? 
Sorry, you don't actually know me or my life or anything about me, do you? Right, so Emily Beecham there. And right, I didn't know her from anything. And I was, t- I was Wendy Eyed told me, actually, you know, she's from Hail Caesar. I was like, really? Who was she in Hail Caesar? She goes, you know that bit with the, what's the slogan? Would that it were so simple? I went, I'm very, very familiar. Even with- I know that and I haven't even seen it. Yeah, people who have the day off. Or- <laughs> 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 um, apparently, she's the girl sat on the divan. Oh. Who he who he, sh- he shares the scene with and- the divan girl? Yeah, the divan girl. Um, well, apparently she's there, and I uh, I didn't remember her at all. Um, I think she's genuinely great in this. Now the problem is this is there's a dividing line down this film, and I I I never I don't like ever bringing age into film criticism. I don't think it's something that should ever really be done. Mm-hmm. In the case of Daphne, that dividing line actually appears to be there, and it appears to be there. Not so much to people below 30. It seems to be there for people below 40 and 45. It, huh. it seems to be. I think that there is a, I don't want to say a cultural element, but a mentality, um, a meaninglessness that is lost on older people. Right. If you understand what I mean, the nihilism of younger people is a central element to this film. Now, I actually thought the film, like Fleabag, Mm. did an exceptional job in portraying that in a way that people who didn't have that mindset could feasibly understand and and process it. Evidently, it doesn't quite work that way. And as a result, there was a lot of, uh, really wasn't up to much, was it? Or no, I found her quite unlikable and unsympathetic. Mm. I didn't get that at all. I thought she was exceptional in this film. Like, I liked, I liked the, 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 the manner in which she portrayed her nihilistic viewpoint, this complete devoid of meaning and substance. Yeah. And it's not that she is, you know, a, a, a person who lacks substance. It's that she's a person whose life lacks that substance, who wants that substance. Yeah. And the performance, as a result, is really, really solid and it works and it sold that to me but perhaps it's that i know that exists Hmm. i thought it did a good job of selling putting it across evidently it doesn't so obviously it's not terribly successful now i personally thought it was but i think in a mainstream sense it obviously lacks that level of success because i'm big enough to admit that um I, there's a great supporting cast. There's no real names amongst this. There's yeah. a great supporting cast, though. The script, I thought, was really insightful. But again, without mainstream appeal, without any real cross-generational appeal, I think it's something that people of a similar age will watch and enjoy. I think you, for instance, would you, you'd watch this and think, okay, I can understand that bit. I can understand that. I can, I can, I can relate to that, that, and that, and that. Yeah. I think the stuff in there that will connect with you if you have, if you've had your formative years in the 21st century, yeah, I think there is some, something to this. There's something that works for the Tinder generation in there, even though actually the film is quite anti-Tinder. I mean, there is a prolonged uh, monologue. I think even the people on Tinder are probably <laughs> anti-Tinder. Uh, there's a prolonged monologue, for instance, about how she hates that the world has now just become a bunch of people looking at screens. That's true. And she actually, there's a really, a really a great uh, expansion on that about uh, the manner in which people portray themselves online. And you think, okay, this, oh, this has obviously been written from, uh, you know, from a place of actual experience yeah. and knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And I do think as well, if you don't share that experience and knowledge, the film does not successfully put it across to you. It does not successfully sell that psychology to you. Do you think it should have no. been more of a TV movie? What? No, because we already have Fleabag. Oh, no. <laughs> Once you've got Fleabag, oh, and believe me, Fleabag is so good. 
He is so, so good. I'm already writing it down. I'm going to watch you it. Gosh, I think he's on Amazon Prime. Oh, I wasn't. I think he's on Amazon Prime. The, the, the entire thing. It's only six episodes, I think. So good. You'll you'll love it. You will you'll like you'll text me ten minutes into the first episode and tell me you'll tell me you're loving it. Um, Daphne, I think, is a good second place to Fleabag, but it's not a film. I I never rec- I don't think I would recommend this to someone our parents' age. For instance. Yeah. I don't think I would recommend this to would recommend it to a grandparent. I wouldn't recommend it to someone younger than say 18 even though the film itself is i think a 15 um because i I think there's a relatability in the same way that i don't quite get the life that a 15 year old lives now yeah i don't think a 15 year old would quite get this because i think there is a certain level of nihilism to it that is single-handedly confined to a very specific age bracket oh uh, shame yeah which is i liked it personally but, yeah, you sold it to yeah. me, to be honest. I quite like there to see you go. it. But uh, say, I liked it. I appreciate it. not everyone else will. Other opinions are available. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I'm pretty sure that there's a million and one reviews from uh, more jaded critics out there who just saw it as this void of nothingness. I know Charlotte from the Evening Standard uh, mm-hmm. seemed to really like it as well. We we had quite a good chat about it. Is she but, of age? <laughs> I, I, do you know Charlotte can't be that much older than me? To be honest, she's she's. You mean younger, right? No, no, she's. No, 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 no. You mean younger, right? You think most people are younger than me, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's not like her th- late thirties. Uh, but uh, I know Wendy, for instance, who was a few years uh, further on, didn't like it at all. So mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was a very it's a it's a real litmus test of a film. But yeah. yeah, I guess in that same way that I don't think you could show a fifty year old the in between us. And have them really get you know in that way that the yeah. in between us has to have a certain level of yeah, self referential yeah. experience, same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but there we uh, go. but yeah, but I I did like it. I think it was char- I, I'll watch Emily Beecham in something again. I really liked her in this. You'll but, watch her on a divan. I'll watch her in a divan. Would <laughs> 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 it were so simple? <laughs> uh, so let's get some news to wrap us up then. Cool. So we've got a new Roosevelt biopic. Ah yes, Teddy Roosevelt this time. Ah. Uh, so um. Not Franklin D. So. Do I say it wrong? I say Roosevelt. Is that the wrong pronunciation? I don't know. It, you hear both. Yeah. I always say Roosevelt. I'm going to go with you mm. because you had the whole American high school thing. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't Roosevelt. know. Roosevelt. Let's do I, it. I go with Roosevelt. I go with Roosevelt. Um, and this is, a, this is Teddy Roosevelt, who uh, was the youngest president. Mm. He, I think, I'm not sure if he still is. I think he still ranks the youngest president. I don't know. Well, I know Trump's old as all hell, but... Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but Obama was pretty young, though, right? Obama was pretty young, but Obama was still in his late 40s, I think. Was he? Mid, mid to late 40s. He looked good. Oh, no, 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 dude still looks good. But yeah. uh, that man aged gracefully, didn't he? I mean, that job obviously ages people. I'm, I'm sure Trump's going to come out looking like Palpatine. What <laughs> <laughs> do you mean, gonna? <laughs> exactly, a good point. So who's playing Roosevelt, then? So, none other... Than the wolf himself. No way. Mr. DiCaprio. Leo's back. But here's where this gets interesting. It's going to reunite him with my favourite of DiCaprio's directors, and also his most frequent director, mm. Martin Scorsese, who apparently has not met a film that he didn't want to stick Leonardo DiCaprio in, other than The Irishman. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this, I, these two love working together. Well, if it they works, really it works. They do. 
And it, but to be fair, it does. It gave us Wolf of Wall Street. What can you, what wrong can you say with that? I mean, The Departed. I love The Departed. The Departed. <laughs> the Departed. <laughs> you a cop? You a cop? How do you spell cop with an A-H? I mean, really? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to ask the bastard people. <sighs> oh, good God. I love that movie. Um, actually, I think I like most of their films. I've never quite warmed to Gangs of New York. Do you know, it's never appealed to me. No, I never I never got on with it too much. Yeah. Um, the Aviator took me a long time to like as well. I liked The Aviator more yeah. on a rewatch. Uh, I feel like Bit I'm getting a Scorsese DiCaprio film somewhere in there. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, you know how much I love Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, indeed. I could I could genuinely watch Wolf of Wall Street once a week. I really could. Well, it takes about a week to watch, so... Yeah, yeah to be fair, so I could watch it and I could just restart it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, I'll watch it every second week, have a week off in between. <laughs> Love that movie so much. Cool, so, just so they're going to work together again. We're going to see some real-life American history. Well, it is just called Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to chronicle the story of uh, how he went from being the governor of New York mm-hmm. to becoming the vice president. To He was the vice president to William McKinley. Uh, William McKinley was assassinated in 1901, and obviously then uh, Rose, uh, Roosevelt became uh, acting, well, assumed the presidency. I had no idea. Well, obviously he then was the youngest president. There you presumably, go. because no one ever intended him to be president. So how young is he meant to be? Because if DiCaprio's playing, you know, no offence to DiCaprio, 41. but dude's, like, getting old. 41. Is that how old DiCaprio is as well? I think he's about that. Isn't he early 40s, is he? isn't he, DiCaprio? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's, like, 50 at this uh, point. DiCaprio's early 40s. Still looks good, don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, right, he's still like, I'd, I'd, I'd give, you know, body parts to look like uh, DiCaprio. Not too many, otherwise I wouldn't be able to enjoy looking like Even DiCaprio. Even dad bod DiCaprio. Even dad bod DiCaprio. That dude can pull off dad bod. <laughs> I mean, does it count as dad bod if it's DiCaprio? Does DiCaprio have children? I don't think he does. It's just dad bod's just a thing, you know. It's, it, uh, it doesn't true. mean you're a dad. I feel like, though, DiCaprio has just become the real-life Gatsby. <laughs> and that is his life now. He just lives in his palatial estate and looks down on his army of models in his pool. Producing every film ever. <laughs> it really is. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing the name Appian Way at this point. But, uh, yeah, so apparently he is age-appropriate. Uh, Roosevelt, incidentally, his his legacy was uh, for conservation. He was the president who brought about, like, uh, the Parks and Recreation Department and things like that. He's, he's that president, preserving the forests. and yeah. So we have him to thank for Chris Pratt. Yes, we have him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much lightly. for Aubrey Plaza. Exactly. And we all yeah. know that Chris Pratt really, you know, shone in Everwood originally. Oh, God, you go. and Everwood. I love it. I'm sorry. Shout out to I thought Everwood. It, hang on, I thought it was One Tree Hill. I can never decide. Which one is it you're fanatical about? Was it One Tree Hill or Everwood? It was One Tree Hill until, you know, Chad Michael Murray left. Oh, Chad Michael Michelson. Chad Michael Dude Harley. <laughs> <laughs> All the names. All the names. The eight story we've not talked about. I, I was going to say, we've got to talk about this. Tell me what's going on in Russia. Oh, well, Russia's a fascinating place. Uh, in Russia, middle-aged women grow rat-like tails and have midlife crisis. As we know. As we know. <laughs> yeah, and this is the subject of romantic dramedies, um, <laughs> which I maintain is better than you'd think. Um, right, so, in Russia, Burger King have filed a complaint with, their, with the anti-monopoly service, the federal anti-monopoly service, mm-hmm. to have it banned. Why? Too scary. No, too funny. Yeah, you'd think that. No, no. It has nothing to do with the actual tone or anything of the film. And everything to do 
with Pennywise himself. They think that Pennywise the Dancing Clown mm. bears too strong a resemblance to Ronald McDonald, and thus <laughs> the film is actually advertising their rival, which they claim is monopolising the fast food industry. Well, he does have a red nose and reddish hair. Does this version have a red nose? Does yeah. Have a red nose? Is yeah, a picture yeah. there, does he? I've got a picture, yeah. He still has a red nose and he has the cool sort of red flicks I, 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 up I, I, I his remember. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. He has a painted on. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Oh, man. But I, he doesn't look like Ronald McDonald. I'm no, sorry. in no way does he, he really look like, does. other than they are clowns. He's I a mean, clown. It's a clown. This is like trying to ban the Dark Knight for the same reason, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it's worth noting, clowns. But it's worth noting in this in this uh, in this particular country in question, uh, it has still earned fourteen million dollars. It is showing on what? It's earned fourteen million dollars. It is showing on one hundred screens. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny how it's like specifically Russia's Burger King. Yes, Russian Burger King has said this. No other country has filed this complaint. I looked into it. Hmm. Yeah, no other country's filed this complaint. There it you is go. hilarious to me. But Yeah. There you go. If that's the hill you want to die on, Burger King, or Comrade Burger King, whatever you want to call yourselves, then that then so be it. You you have fun with that. It's your loss. It's yeah. your loss. So tell me about Nightwing. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Nightwing is an odd one. Nightwing is... So this is, you know, the 90th film that the DCEU is going to put out. Mm. You know these films, because over at Warner Brothers, what they do is they get up on a Monday morning with a stack of comic books that they've never heard of. Mm. They just check the covers, see if there's a DC badge, and then they greenlight a film on it. And that's, about right. and that's how DC worked. Now, these films, most of these films are never going to get made, but they just they just keep doing it, you know, because that, that's how they work over there. Superheroes. Yeah, because we're they totally... Just like yeah, dollar signs. We're totally getting a cyborg movie. That's absolutely happening. There's absolutely... Yeah, totally, yeah. I, I mean, I really believe that. It's just... Yeah. Because <laughs> there's clearly a market for a cyborg movie. Well, isn't he in... He was in... He's uh, in Justice League. Justice League. He's in one. Justice League. Yeah. He has a cameo in Batman Superman. Yeah. You know that part where they stop the movie dead to just play the teaser trailers for all the other heroes? Oh, my God, that's so funny. Oh, God, yeah. It's which, so funny. Which gets sent to her by Bruce Wayne, who then five minutes later has no idea who she is. Yes. Yeah. Is she with you? Yeah. Uh, I love it. Weird, weird moment. That movie's terrible. It is. Just terrible. I'm still telling you it's better than Man of Steel. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Jolly Rancher. Come on, Jolly Rancher. <laughs> Putting the Jolly Rancher in the um, dude's mouth. I mean, Man of Steel did not have anything like that. Um... Yeah, I had a point. Yeah, no one's ever seen a cyborg movie. Nightwing. 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 They they maintain Nightwing's happening because they've given it to the director of the Lego Batman movie, a.k.a. the best Batman movie in five years. So, yeah. I mean, mean, it's a low bar, so that's not much of a compliment. So give it a bit more love. Give it a bit more love. So Chris Mackay, who's a former robot chicken uh, Ah. uh, producer, uh, one of the the robot chicken guys, he's directing, he directed the Lego Batman movie, he's directing Nightwing, and uh, he he was asked on Twitter, I think a fan uh, sent him one of the casting rumours on Twitter, Mm -hmm. clearly angry, and he's like, look, you need to calm down. I promise you, we've not cast anybody, we don't have anyone in mind, there's no one I want to be Nightwing, we're just going to cast the net really really wide and we're just gonna find anyone who we think is best we're just gonna try everyone we're gonna see who's best that person's nightwing there's no casting suggestions so who's your casting suggestion then i honestly have no idea because the plot of the film is do you, do you know who nightwing is i have no idea nightwing is dick grayson nightwing is robin oh right if you don't know how it works, Robin uh, grows up, gets to college age, mm. goes off to college, and then become, afterwards becomes a cop 
in the town of Bloodhaven, the city of Bloodhaven. Right. Once there, he decides he's too old to be Robin anymore. So he gives up the mantle of Robin, and Bruce Wayne takes on another Robin. In oh. fact, he takes on two more Robins. Huh? Oh, sorry, three now, because he has his son as well. All at once, or...? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Takes one on, they either age out, quit, or get killed. Spoiler. Well, <laughs> quite famously, there is yeah the one who gets brutally murdered by the Joker. Yeah. And then recently, Bruce Wayne's son has become, uh, Damien Wayne has become Robin. Damien Wayne. Damien Wayne, <laughs> who is also the grandson of Ra's al Ghul. Of course. As you do. So Liam Neeson's the granddaddy, Christian Bale's the daddy. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Okay, so he's grown up. He says, I'm not Robin anymore. Not Can't be Robin. wearing no tights. Instead, he adopts his own superhero costume, which is basically an all-black suit, a Robin-style mask, but it's got the blue bird logo on the chest. He is Nightwing. Nightwing. Uh, so this story is basically going to be more about his origins. It's going to have a lot. It's going to be set in the present day, but it's also going to have a lot of his origin stuff, because obviously he grew up in the circus. So it's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of practical stunt work in there as well. There is a live-action Teen Titans series coming out this next year called Titans. And they have cast Robin for... They've cast Nightwing for that. Uh Uh-huh. And they cast uh, Brenton Thwaites. Why do I know that name? Because he's Will Turner's son in Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Ah. And Gods of Egypt. Of course. Oh, God. Don't remind me of that. I know. (laughs) Good lord, that movie sucked. I know. <sighs> Do you know, I, can't, I haven't even seen the end. Have you never seen the end? I know how you say you shouldn't judge a film unless you've seen it all, but I don't need to. You can, Do you know what? I'll be honest with that one. Yeah, that, that one kind of sets its own tone early on, and it yeah. never strays from it. I mean, I, I, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for the idea of an ancient Egyptian push-up bra, but aside from that... <laughs> they were famous for it. Yeah, of course they were, you know, the ancient Egyptians and their push-up bras. But yeah, Brenton Twice is the TV version, so I don't know if you get someone around that same age or... I was going to say, what kind of age, do you, if you've grown up... I'd imagine, Nightwing, you'd kind of do at about, I don't know, 25 to 30, I suppose, kind of has to be that range. What about, if what's it's... the guy called in the duff? In the oh oh uh, Robbie Amell Robbie Amell yeah you know what I wouldn't put that past them because they seem to have no concept of you know who starred in the TV series and who stars in the movies because Robbie Amell's obviously in the Flash is he yes oh man he's, I'm really out of touch yeah, he's Firestorm so his brother is Arrow no no his cousin is Arrow oh is it his cousin they're, they're cousins they oh, just okay. look weirdly alike they really do they do by the way did you know that Zac Efron has a younger brother who looks exactly like him no. Yeah, mm. and he's a professional swimmer. What's his name? Uh, I, I don't know. Dave Efron? <laughs> Second Dave. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen, was it the roast of uh, the roast of Dave Franco? Uh, roast of, uh, of James, James Franco. Franco. Yeah. When someone makes the gags, like, yeah, and then they told us there was another one, like he had a brother, and we were like, we jokingly said, oh, really? What's his name? Dave Franco? <laughs> like, actually, yes. <laughs> I think the definitive statement on Dave Franco. <laughs> Poor guy. It does seem like it does seem like the iPhone 3GS. I really like Dave Franco, but he chooses some weird films he to be really in. He really does, including his brother's one coming soon. Sure. But hey, the trailer looks interesting. But uh, They usually do. Anyway, I think, are we done with the news now? I think we've, I'm all out. We've killed it all this week. I, I couldn't think of anyone for Nightwing, I'm sorry. Um, I'm going Robbie Amell. If it were ten years ago, I'd have said Joshua Jackson. But, uh, Joshua Jackson? It's my answer to everything. But uh, Look, I'm a fan of Joshua Jackson. I'm annoyed that they've never given him the lead in the Mighty Ducks reboot that he I was going to say, that's the only role I will accept is in a reboot. Reboot of the Mighty Ducks, yeah. where he gets double-drug driving. Or just a plain sequel... 
but he just takes on the mantle. Yeah, yeah, where he he takes on the coaching job. Yeah, yeah. doesn't need to be a reboot. To- total. Oh no, that would be a reboot. That'd be a reboot call because he'd obviously need a whole new cast. Reboot call. So, reboot yeah. call. There you go. Uh, I don't know who I'd cast. I really don't. It's a thinker. Who's big on television? Ah, no, not a clue. I know one Brian name. Cranston. <laughs> yeah, one name that keeps getting used. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia. Oh no, he's far uh, Milo old. Ventimiglia. But for some reason, people keep suggesting him. I don't know. I love him though. But uh, Zephron, get Zephron to be Nightwing. There you go. I definitely watch. You'd it. watch that, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd watch Zac Efron fight crime in spandex. You absolutely <laughs> would, and you know it. Yeah. On which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. If I didn't love you so damn much, I'd have to kill you, bro.